All right, I suppose it's time for us to start the show since we are <laughs> traditionally late, like always. Dude, I could not be more excited for tonight's show. I mean, like, you and I made a list like over a year ago now. Jeez, we've been doing this for a long time of people we wanted <laughs> on the show, right? And Link's been on the list since day one. Link was, in fact, on the original list. In fact, I still have the original list. There is only two people, now that Link's been on the show, that was on the original list that we have not had on. And one of them I don't think we'll ever get on. It was Maricon. Right? Yep. <laughs> yep. It was Maricon and uh, Matt. Matt's the only other holdout. That's and what's up, he, man. He's uh, difficult to get because of time zones. But uh, welcome, Link, hello, finally. Good afternoon. Have to see if we can pull some strings with Matt and Maricon. <laughs> Get all the Mar connections up in here. Maricon still shows up in chat. Like he he comes and watches people stream the game. Yeah, I actually really he actually, enjoy. He subscribed to me the other day. Yeah, I really enjoy that he does that because it just reaffirms what I've been saying, which is that uh, Maricon is just a stand-up dude. Yeah, he's you know, fucking awesome. Like Paul is awesome, and I agree. I agree. I don't know. It sounds like Justin stolen Maricon's prime sub from me. Uh, listen, <laughs> Justin steals every sub from me. <laughs> Justin's, I think, almost got triple the amount of subs I have in like a month of time. So I don't should even I, keep track of that anymore. Should I, should I reveal how many emote slots I have? <laughs> I have eleven. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, <laughs> lot more than me, but that doesn't matter. No, not at all. But uh, yeah, so Link Turquoise Link is our special guest today. Turquoise Link is one of the best players the Legends has ever seen. I think that is easily the truth, right? I mean, we uh, we saw you at the Masters Series. Well, actually, we didn't see you, but you were at the Masters Series. We personally saw you, and uh, we 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 got the game between you and TDC Jason. The control control game that like was the highlight of that whole fucking tournament for me. That's. Was the one before it? It wasn't on stage, but I got I versed Hack Me the one the game before against right. uh, the Jason one. Hack Me won the whole tournament, and the best game of my tournament was against him, or the best series. It's I'm still really sad no one got to see it. It's some of the best games I've ever played. Well, it, in, it, in, it involved sweet rolling a genius path mage multiple times <laughs> in matches worth several thousand dollars. <laughs> Dude, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to admit, I was pretty bummed, and I, and I know that the audience in general was pretty bummed. The Legends community was pretty bummed. They didn't get to see that match. Um, because I think it's safe to say, like, you were a lot of people's favorite going into this tournament. Favorite for the Master Series? You had yeah, Joe up there? Who, you, who doesn't pick Joe to win these tournaments? Uh, people who don't like Joe because he doesn't join their artifact teams even when he's told you he would. Hi, Joe. I see you in chat. Joe joined uh, Team Rank Stars Artifact Team. Yeah. So yeah. not everybody likes Joe. Some people want Joe to lose. And if they're going to if they're gonna root for Joe to lose, they want to go down in a turquoise glory. My wife does not. Uh, my wife actually really likes Joe, which is uh, a problem. <laughs> Listen, I really like Joe too, but that's why it hurts so much. It's like when Link ignores me when I send him messages. It hurts. Uh, yeah, I've got a number of people. That, that's some common criticism I hear. 
Well, you know, Link, uh, you and I actually, we, we, my very first casting experience of any game ever was with you. We, that you you broke the seal for my casting experience. So to then meet you at QuakeCon where I was doing some casting and you were one of the competitors was a really cool experience. Like, you know, to see us like go from this amateur league kind of thing to the big stage was just so cool. You know, you as a player and me as a accessory to people who knew what they were talking about. It was fantastic. Yeah, well, it was fun getting like, you know, discussing how you and Charmer and everyone else on the table was doing but for you and Sharma through the qualifiers and things and it was always discussing you know you were doing a good job and how things were working out and it was fun saying yeah I cast with Justin that first time and he was terrified I was. <laughs> like he looks so much more confident now <laughs> it's all like you still get nervous beforehand I was gonna say uh, here's a peek behind the curtain he was nervous dude. every time Oh, dude, so nervous, so nervous, man. Just, like, chain-smoking, like, chugging coffee, like, actually doing exercises, like, moving around, like, to get the bugs out, man. Like, yeah. It, it was partially My ESL's fault, because every time Justin started to get comfortable, they would throw him another curveball, right? So, like, every time he found his groove, they were like, yeah, but will you put on a blonde wig for us? And he's like, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. No, my, my casting ability is not a reflection of my confidence. It's a reflection of... Uh, theater productions as a child <laughs> but are you just but, gonna pretend that these costumes aren't all justin's idea i mean they are my idea but like <laughs> look we're not here to talk about me we're here to talk about turquoise motherfucking link <laughs> so walk us a little bit through your history with legends like how'd you get started what kind of games did you play beforehand um so i i wrote what I think I have about 5,000 words of my history with Legends and never posted it anywhere, so I've got the secret history of Turquoise Link. <laughs> Fuck, um, I started. I started with Soulforge. Soulforge was... Uh, probably is still my favorite card game. Um, a friend, like, I was competing with Hearthstone at the time, and a yeah. friend convinced me, no, there's no future in Hearthstone. Soulforge is where it's at. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. And that was... <laughs> That was a decision, but Soulforge died off later on, and some of my teammates had already moved to Test Legends, so that was, yep, this game's dead, let's bail on it, Test Legends is the upcoming new one, and yeah, that was 2016. That was. I'm really uh, surprised to hear you say that Soulforge was your favorite card game ever, because I played uh, a decent amount of Soulforge. Like, I actually played in the beta, and I was like one of the early adopters as well um and while it was a very fun and interesting game one of the things that eventually drove me away from it like the reason that i stopped playing that and started playing hearthstone when that hit the scene was the leveling mechanic now it's my understanding that it got better later but there was like nothing more infuriating than getting my stuff to level three and then never drawing it again right and then that was like almost all of my losses. It it drove me insane, and I'm I'm so I'm surprised whenever I hear anybody say that like Soulforge because you're not the only person I've heard say it. I'm surprised whenever I hear anybody say Soulforge was their favorite. Um, what what was it that you liked about it? Like what drew you to it? So I have very fr frequently heard the Soulforge high RNG, you know, not drawing your leveled up cards sort of criticism. Um, there was. I met a game once, it persisted like six months before they nerfed it, but it was called, the deck was called Brood Queen, named after the Brood Queen card. Um, 
and they post end of season stats season was one or two months i don't remember it was one or two months at the time but um anyway there was a player with 180 games um he had a 96 percent win rate over 180 games playing almost all mirrors like 60 to 70 percent of players were mirrors of this it was a dominant deck hectares was another pro player he had a 93 percent win rate i had 89 percent in that meta and if the game is really really high rng i don't think it was it has easily the highest skill edge like the highest win rate i've ever seen in a card game to the point where it needs to be fixed where it can't survive like that um so i think it's when you got really really deep into soulforge strategy the leveled up cards just stopped mattering like it's you had game plans based on how many of your level twos you drew in level two like whether you drew one two three or eight of them i think was the max but seven or eight depending on when you went first and you had totally different game plans depending on how many you drew in level two and you could adapt really well to it anyway that's my soul forge gush yeah was that something that had popped up later because i mean it is also possible that like it just took uh maybe a little bit too long to get to that point right because like i don't i don't remember brood queen as a deck but i again like i played very very early um maybe uh i think there was like a small content release and then there was another one coming by the time that i had left you know so so yeah early on was ruled by the savants um some shapers yeah the um, shapers yeah, i don't know if you remember if i remember if you remember those at all um but yeah this was season three was the brood queen season uh set three sorry yeah set three so that was um i think i left like two weeks before set three came <laughs> so i'm actually kind of sad that i missed out now because i uh, like i said you're not the only person who said that they liked Soulforge, and you're not the only person i've heard that has said uh you know that things got better later um part of me wonders how much like the first impression did damage to the game you know what i mean yeah it's well it's one of the things i loved with card games and soulforge really exemplified it but it happened with test legends in 2016 and it happened when gwent first came out for example there's just something i suppose ego stroking of knowing how a game works when most of the player base hasn't learned yet because eventually people post articles and you get used to streamers and things and it's everyone, you know, they got their strategy settled um, and the whole player base improves. But there's something to be said for those early days of a card game where the player base as a whole doesn't quite know how this game works and haven't managed to translate the magic theory that they do know to the new game. And it's really, really fun pioneering that. I know exactly what you're talking about, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, well you were one of the early test legends yeah. you, hey you won a tournament like <laughs> 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 right. these guys say they're late all the time but i've seen behind the curtain now that that's that's just all jokes and having fun you guys just waiting on us to be done yeah pretty much <laughs> that's what happens well i'm doing tech stuff too but it, also we get sidetracked <laughs> It's super sidetracked. I'm actually, you know, what I'm doing right now is I'm, uh, I'm purchasing Dragon Age Inquisition. <laughs> oh, I think you'll like it. My wife loves that game. Yeah. My my, I was a little bit, uh, I was a little bit worried. My wife had so much sex 
with NPCs in that game. Fuck, dude. Like, like she was a little hussy. And I know she's in chat. I know she's going to hear me say this, but... Oh, uh, yeah. That's what's up. Sandra recently finished uh, some kind of Final Fantasy game on our PS4. Uh, probably 15. I still want to play through that. I've had time. I don't know. It looked... I don't know. The men were all very... The guys in leather jackets in the car? Yeah, yeah. yeah a bunch of very pretty men. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really want to play it, but I've kind of had two card games taking up a lot of my time lately, so... Yeah. So, so Link, let's... Uh, it's interesting hearing you talk about Soulforge. You know, like, it's it seems like a lot of people take for, for granted that everybody who came to Legends was just tired of Hearthstone, and that, that's everybody's story. So, like, hearing somebody talk about a different game that they came from is, is always super fascinating. Oh, I... Um, go ahead. I had, I had a thousand hours in Hearthstone before I came to Death Legends. That's, don't worry about that. <laughs> I mean, I Fair think enough. we all did, but it doesn't mean that that was where our heart was. Like, I played a bunch of Hearthstone, too, but I wasn't, like, ever invested in it, if that makes sense. Yeah. There just wasn't a better alternative. Because I didn't know about Kaijudo like CVH did, apparently. Kappa. Yeah, I'd never heard of that one. It's... I'd actually, I have heard of it. I just like to give him a hard time. Kaijudo had the rune and prophecy mechanic, right? Uh, no, that was Dual Masters. Oh. Where it's uh, shields. So when, when you did damage to somebody, you break a shield. And then if they had like the shield break ability on it, it was basically like prophecy. I'll be honest, all these uh, games kind of sound the same to me. <laughs> don't don't be a cardsist, Justin. They're all unique and intricate. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but so, okay, you you have a thousand hours in Hearthstone. Um, <laughs> what was the appeal of Legends as the game to like become a name in for you? Um. Well, the obvious one has to be the viewership. Is I don't know if that's the best reason to play a game, but Test Legends was the first time people were interested in like really watching me play. In okay. Soulforge, in Soulforge, we didn't have a spectator mode, so the only way to see tournaments was to get streamers to stream them, and so I oh. stream tournaments, and I'd often go far in the tournament. But uh, so once that went to Test Legends, people actually started watching with Test Legends, and that was. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm going to keep doing this. That's what's up. Because, I mean, like, I think if people were to give, like, a list of five Legends personalities that they know, I think I think your name would be there. You know, Turquoise Link is, is a name that, like, even casual players uh, are familiar with in, in, the, in the Legends community. Yeah. Well, the, the other reason, I suppose, that isn't as widely known is a really good friend of mine named Eon, and... The two of you were old enough in Test Legends. I don't know if you remember Eon. Is he a big enough name? Or... Yeah, I remember. He won a couple of tournaments. <laughs> yeah. He was the highest prize one. Eon and I always used to joke, he was the highest prize earning player in Test Legends. I was second highest because he won 20 bucks and I won 10 bucks. This was like <laughs> first month of open beta. That's what's up. What deck did you play? Me, I played Mid Archer. Nice. I mean, that I was played... the right choice. <laughs> Back then, that was the right choice. Mid-Archer was my deck until they nerfed Burn and Pillage. Yeah. Yeah. I played a lot of Archer. Yeah. I did not actually ever play that deck, but... <laughs> I started I started playing Test Legends. I logged, I logged onto Legends decks like everyone does when they start out and look up, oh, I want to find a deck to play. Yeah. Um, 
and I see probably Justin Larson's Ram Scout or someone's Ram Scout there. Um, yeah. But yeah, all these other decks, you know, Sorcerer's Garbage, Sorcerer was the meme tier class, not Spellsword. And there was an Archer deck from some guy named Romanesque. All right, it's all in French. Can't understand a word of it, he says, but it has the most legendaries in it has three blood dragons in it so it's probably the best yeah copied that that was my get that was my deck cvh is a funny story about the first person he net decked was the most popular deck on legendsdecks.com which was my scout deck at the time and he played it for a couple days before he's like (laughs) before he realized that he like actually watched me play and like he's like oh my god like <laughs> like I just assumed that the most the most successful list was going to be like a guy trying really hard. I was like, "Our contraire, my friend." <laughs> Found out twelve months later that Romanesque had just copied stolen that from Santa Speller and posted his deck as a joke. Oh yeah. So that was Santa Speller's archer, apparently. Yeah, I missed the I... old uh, TVP nine archer that still had Felon SD Reaver and Charis Reapers yeah. in it. Absolutely. I mean, well, I mean. <laughs> Charles Reaper was was a meta card for a while because half the ladder was spell sword tokens. Yeah, but it wasn't good enough because Reaper cost seven and Divine Fervor cost four at the time. It did, it did, it did but you also ran Vicious Dreg because it cost less than Shadow and Priest. <laughs> Look, man, this is science. <laughs> Yeah, but that was also, listen, Vicious Drag, if you're listening to this and you do remember a little bit of the old times, you have to remember Vicious Drag was not always a wasted play at launch because you could blow up the elixir of Magicka because we didn't have a ring back then. It was a support card that was targetable. So if they didn't use all their charges early, you could blow it up. That was, that baited so many people though that, because it always felt so clever that, oh, I know I can blow up the elixir and so many people don't. So there yeah. were a lot of so people felt really, really clever and would always destroy it with their Shadow Fan Priests. And you'd just be like, oh, sitting there with an unanswered Goblin Skulk or something. And right. You should probably have silenced that Skulk. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to break the elixir. One of my favorite like pieces of Legends Apocrypha from over the like years is that uh, <clears throat> for a brief, like the, we know that the keyword indestructible exists in the game. Because it was briefly bugged onto the elixir of, of magic. Yeah, I mean they use it in uh, they use it in story modes too for a couple of things. Do they? Yeah, like there's, uh, for example, in Clockwork City, one of the ones on master mode, uh, where you and the AI get uh, it's a support where you can res something from the graveyard, and they start with merchant camels in play so that they have like targets and you don't. That thing's mm-hmm. indestructible. Um, I learned that the hard way because I thought I was going to be super clever and like cheat the AI and like, oh, dude, I'll just blow this thing up early and then it'll be easy peasy. Nope. That thing's actually indestructible. That's fucking awesome. (laughs) I don't remember many of this, like much of the stories. I remember having to play. It was a tutorial. Yeah, I remember having to play through the tutorial like several times uh, in closed beta and then into open beta, like when their accounts reset a couple times. Yeah, and, I remember like, that too. That was always a huge pain in the ass because, like, it's like for instance, here's a good example of how I feel about it. I I spent like over a hundred dollars on Gwent right during the closed beta after the last reset, so like all my Gwent stuff like was you know it stuck around or whatever, and. Uh, or maybe it was before. The, either way, it just kept like resetting to the, the cash equivalent. 
and I, I haven't played Gwent in nine months or some shit. But today I installed Gwent because I was like, hey, they changed everything about the game. I should check this out. I have like 60,000 whatever crafting materials. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, all it took was that, that tutorial for me to be like, you know what? I'm not going to play Gwent. <laughs> yeah. I, listen, the Gwent tutorial is almost like aggressively bad, too. Uh, and I say this because after you get through there, like the actual game plays way different. Like the problem with the current Gwent tutorial for Homecoming is that they they use cards in it that don't do what they do in the tutorial in the game. So like if you see, uh, you know, a Geralt card or something in the tutorial, and then you see that same card in the actual game, it doesn't do the same thing. Like the tutorial does nothing to prepare you for how new Gwent actually plays. And I actually kind of like the new Gwent. I mean, I, I will say like, I had heard that it was a different game basically. So, you know, that's why I wanted to try it. And I have to admit, like, the tutorial did feel like a different game for, like, the two games that I, like, managed to slog through. But I don't know. Like, I literally did not finish the tutorial and was convinced that, like, I was never going to play Gwent again by the time I got halfway through it. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it still just feels like math, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, it's, I mean, it is, listen, all card games are kind of just math at, at the end. But I think that I really... <laughs> Not the uh, way I play it, buddy. I, <laughs> We're just shooting dice. <laughs> I, I think I enjoy the direction of the new one just because they've done a good job of trying to make cards on the field matter more than just a number after they're on the field. Um, yeah. And, like, there's still a lot of room for the game to grow, but I, I will say that I definitely like uh, the homecoming version of Gwent more than the old Gwent, and I know that that's a very unpopular opinion among the Gwent entrenched, but... Uh, there's a reason I stopped playing the old ones, so. Look, Gwent Entrenched, I believe what you, were for, what you meant to say is future artifact stars. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. So I noticed that Link was streaming some Gwent the other day. How, how, how do you enjoy uh, Homecoming? What is your opinion? Um, Homecoming's good enough. I think it's a down. Like, I'm one of the elitists that like old Gwent. I think it's a downgrade from old Gwent, but still good enough. And I can see Ian trying to advocate for new Gwent, but... <laughs> uh, old Gwent was all about trading cards. Like, I know there's this criticism of, you know, cards just appear on the board and then sort of stay there and don't do anything. But, like, once they're on the board, you sort of just consider them dead. Like, you pretend the board's not there. Because it's all, it was all about trading cards, you know. I play this card, you play that card. You, I play this card, you play that card. And you had to keep tempo with each other. Yeah, you had to pass each other each turn. So the trick was you had to try and trade your low, your, like your bad cards, with your opponent's good ones. Um, and it was that felt like creature combat to me. I know people say there's no combat, you know, you don't remove things, but the fact that you were directly trading your play for your opponent's each turn felt like a combat between the two cards to me. And New Gwent sort of removed that. New Gwent's more about puzzle solving. Hmm. Yeah. Which a lot of people like the puzzle solving part. Yeah, I mean, I can get that. Uh, I know what you're coming from, I think, Link. Uh, old Gwent, I've already fallen in, into the trap a little bit with uh, Gwent Homecoming where, you know, I'll be up like two cards. And Old Gwent, that was like, GG, I've won everything. You know, like if you could get up two cards, that was like it. And then... Yeah. Uh, with the current homecoming Gwent, I'll get up like two cards and I'm like, oh, but it doesn't matter because like board state and it, it is a bit of a, a change. But I do enjoy, I think, the new one a little bit more. It's a little more combo oriented. 
one of the things I, I appreciated about Gwent, even if it, I personally didn't enjoy it, was like it felt like the biggest departure from Magic or Hearthstone or anything that had come before it, like that I had ever seen. Like, and granted, my my card game experience is pretty limited. Um, I've played I've played Magic, I've played Hearthstone, I've played Gwent, I've played Hand of the Gods. <laughs> <laughs> I've played, and I and I played actually a lot of the for a couple months the WoW TCG. And and honestly, my, until Legends, my favorite was the WoW TCG just because it felt like kind of like this cool, innovative way to do like resource management and stuff. But like. And, and and to be in full disclosure, I played it in prison, like on like homemade cards and shit. But it was fun because like you could, you could like do these raid bosses and stuff, and like it was neat. And I never played WoW. Actually, I still never played WoW. But so I don't know how it reflects in the actual experience. But anyway, what I liked about Gwent is it like it felt totally unlike all those things. It was it was just like this new idea. It took place on a board. Like it was it was almost more like a board game than a card game, if that makes any sense. And actually, you know what I noticed like in the artifact stuff I've watched and, and games that I have played, like it feels almost more like Gwent than any other card game I've seen before. Gwent's based, I think it's based off an old 52 card game, you know, not like, so, you know, poker cards, bridge, that sort of thing. It's based off one of those styles of games. I think I just can't remember the name of it. Yeah, I think you're right. But I also don't remember the name, the but that's ringing about. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Gwent in The Witcher. Like I, wanna... I traveled all around the world to like collect all the Gwent cards and shit. I want to hey, play like I competitive have... Pazak. Can I just throw that out there? <laughs> uh, I've played Pazak. I, I have <laughs> What are you talking about? Oh, Knights of the Old Republic. Or um, uh, Triple Triad. Star Wars games, yeah. Um, Gwent in The Witcher Three, I threw it out fairly fairly early on i couldn't wrap my head around it i have spent like my, basically my whole life now playing card games competitively and learning new card games and witcher 3 3 gwent i just couldn't understand like i just lose and wait where's where's the strategy in this where's the gameplay what's happening i can't and i didn't play it and i just i watched all these other video games like pc gamers talk about how awesome it is and couldn't see it so yeah, I, Witcher Three went beat me. Oh, I did also know how to play. Um, my niece got really into Pokemon. Like, okay, so my niece stays with me like one week a year, and so her mom called me before she comes, and she's like, she's really into Pokemon right now. I was like, oh sweet, I know how to play card games. I'll learn how to play the Pokemon card game, and then I'll play with my niece. It'll be awesome. We'll bond over it. So I fucking downloaded the Pokemon like web digital tcg whatever and i like spent hours learning how to play fucking pokemon i was like i i got some of pokemaster like i'm gonna catch them all on all that shit and then she comes up here and i like i bought a bunch of cards and i had some decks ready and i sit down and play with her and she's just like pikachu and like throws it at me i was like god damn it you have no idea how to play this game do you and she's like i do not <laughs> no no joke uh when i worked at the comic and gaming shop at, like because I was in charge of the entire gaming side, I had to learn every card game that came through. So I also like helped run the Pokemon leagues. I still have um, Poke points. So like for the kids who participated in leagues, they gave out these little silver coins with like Pikachu on them, and yeah. like in some stuff back here, I've actually still got a bunch of them. I use them for tokens, like when I play Magic sometimes. So you two were asleep at the time, but 
at QuakeCon, like you guys were exhausted. All these commentators with hard work. Yeah. <laughs> and then all these. Um, but there, there were a lot of players that have been eliminated early and just sitting around all day. So we stayed up all night chatting. Yeah. Um, and for like an hour, one of the conversations was, was just comparing nerd cred on like our card game experience. All the like. We're yeah. all trying to find the most obscure card game we'd ever played, trying to find one no one else had ever heard of. And I could dig up, like, Digimon stuff, Harry Potter card games, The Simpsons card game. Oh, Harry Power. Potter, man. Um, I, could, I, I could go pretty deep in this, but uh, Person of Secrets, every single one of them, every single card game that came up, he'd just tell you the competitive metaphor and the history of the game. <laughs> That guy knows his obscure card games. I just have to say that. That's yeah, what's up. I he was. I, I, I really enjoyed meeting him. Like he was really, really nice. I'm really sad that I wasn't there for that because as somebody who like it was my job to demo everything that came through, and then all the games I've played at like Gen Con, I'm sure that would have been a riot. There are a lot of old <laughs> games. Like I know that I gush about the Lord of the Rings card game that Decipher made every time I get the chance because to me that was my favorite card game in terms of mechanics and uh, play style that I've ever played. Yeah. But like, you know, whenever I talk about like Wyvern or Rage or some of those weird ones, uh, people's like eyes gloss over and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, Rage. It was this like post-apocalyptic werewolf card game where you had like a pack of werewolves and they, they're just like, huh? And I'm like, yeah, this was a thing. Or like Marvel Rage, Overpower. Rage heard of. Yeah. I know, I know Overpower. I've never heard of Wyvern. Uh, Wyvern was like very similar to Magic uh, right around that time, like 93, 94 around launch. Um yeah, it what uh, it was not very good. There's a reason that you probably haven't heard of it. It's it was not very good. Yeah, I I I really I really want somebody to pick up even if it's with a different IP. I want somebody to pick up the like resource system from the Lord of the Rings card game and bring that back. That was the most fun I'd ever had playing a card game personally. More fun than artifact, you yeah. fucking traitor. Yeah, more fun, more more fun than artifact. Yeah, it was, it it was just one of those things where, the, so the resource system with the Lord of the Rings card game is, um, you played good guys and bad guys, right? So like if you ever played the Star Wars Decipher card game, you you played one side or the other, but with Lord of the Rings you played both, right? And so when you were the active turn player, Justin, you would be uh, basically playing like the fellowship. So you'd have, you know, Frodo and Aragorn and the treants if you wanted, you know, go have fun. Right. But every yeah. time that you played a card that would help you, it would put counters like into a pool. It was called the Twilight Pool. So like you could play an Aragorn, but it would put four into the pool. And then after you've made your like moves for the people you wanted to deploy, um, there were these sites, right? And so, like, the, the object of the game was you either had to kill somebody's fellowship or you had to make it all the way to Site 9 and survive because that meant represented, like, getting to Mount Doom and destroying the ring, right? So you deploy your dudes and then you move to a site and then the site had a value on it that increased as the game went and that also had a Twilight value. And then after you, like, played your dudes and moved, then I, based on how much was in the pool, got to play, like, my guys to fight you and then you would resolve combat. So there was a lot of strategy in the resource management of knowing how much I could get away with deploying 
versus like if I play too much, like I get a really strong team. But if you've got a good hand, too, then you could play like, you know, the Witch King or something or a cave troll and or the Balrog and like fuck my day up. Right. So there was always that like tension. And I really enjoyed that about that game because I've never played a game that every turn had the level of tension that did because you had no idea if you were uh, making the right move at the time because there were like windows of opportunity where like maybe I super load up and then move one site and stop or maybe I try to like sprint across. Um, I've just never played a game like it where I felt like every every turn, every decision had very impactful weight because there was a direct counterbalance to it. Every time I did something, my opponent got like an equal amount of resources. I uh, I bought a box of Star Wars card cards actually because I thought next time we hung out we could play that game. Oh, see everyone everyone plays the Star Wars game, but no one's ever heard of the Young Jedi game. Specifically based uh, on the Phantom Menace movie. No, I not really... only have I heard of it, but excuse me, sir, I was <laughs> amazing at it with my my Aura Singh. Like that was the only reason I even knew that chick's name, right? Aura Singh and uh, Sebulba, and yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about. They had the big like uh, starter decks that had like the light side and dark side, and then I think there was only ever one set for that, right? Uh. There might have been there might have been a second one that they printed for the second movie, but it did so poorly. I, I know it stopped after that, but absolutely, I remember that. It was almost like war, right? Like you had your decks and you had to flip them in a certain order for combat. Dude, I would definitely play a young Jeezy card game. I don't even know what to do with that, Justin. I fucking killed that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making emotes right now, actually. Actually, somebody just sent me a cool one I'm going to use. That's what I'm doing now. Is it a young Jeezy emote? No. You're right. Dude, Cause, I'm way past that. Because things that mention young Jeezy would be dumb, Justin. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck young Jeezy did to you. He's young and Jeezy. Yeah, this- the young part really is the worst part. Yeah. I'm in this uh, uh, <laughs> counseling children and adolescents class right now, and at the at the start, like it's a it's it's a K crep requirement for becoming an LPC. So like even if you don't plan on ever working with kids, you have to take you have to have this training. And uh, so at the beginning of the class, the teacher who's like done this for years is like, so who here is just never going to work with kids? And I'm like instantly raise my hand. She's like, what's your chosen population? I was like, uh, men and women getting out of prison. She gives me this look for a second. She's like, I can see where there wouldn't be a lot of opportunities to use your skills with uh, people coming out of prison with children and adolescents. But what about youth corrections? And I was like, no, no, I'll see them once I get out of prison. (laughs) (laughs) And she just looks at me for a second. And she's like, well, this is a great segue to talk about the preventative nature of of therapy with children. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean... Yeah. Nailed it, man. So, what I want to know is, right, what, uh, you know, Link says he keeps coming back and he checks some some stuff out. And I know that he's been playing a lot of other games, but I want to know what Link thinks about our most recent collection, Frostbart. Because I've seen him tweet some stuff and, you know, I've heard a couple of conversations. I try to lurk when I can, um, but I want to... I want to open up that while we got him. 
Um, I don't know. I'm not sure that it's really hard to, for me to analyze the new set because I tend to analyze cards from, you know, competitive standpoint and like meta analysis. Um, and so whilst a lot of the cards are really cool, um, really fun, like the big green cat, that's really, you know, it's awesome design. Um, it's hard to figure out a meta with, you know, without a lot of tournaments and without a lot of competition, um, it's hard to see what exactly then works into a meta game. Um, because like we have what meta, but what meta is won by the same players playing the same decks every single week. That's mostly Joe's fault. What? Um, <laughs> so I feel like our meta is sort of really, really biased around like we have tournaments biased around what Joe super thanks frenzy and hack me play. Um, and admittedly hack me plays a little differently. Um, and then we have a ladder, which is sort of more based about around people playing what they enjoy, which is obviously great, you know, have fun. Um, but I analyze cards from a competitive standpoint, so I don't really get to see new cards impact. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure in a theoretical competitive meta, they have much impact, like they do have much impact. Um, the Sword of the Inferno, like we've seen warriors messing around with that in Warrior. Um, but I haven't, like we haven't seen that taken to a tournament yet, I don't believe. Big, first big warp meta's tomorrow, um, so... So maybe we'll see it there. Let, let me pose you uh, a, a different question then, right? Um, Artifact is coming out at the end of the month. And at that point, we won't have Joe winning every work meta. Because he's on an Artifact team that's not mine. The little bastard. Yep. So let's say like first week of December, the floodgates open. And uh, you don't have to game plan for Joe meta anymore. What uh, what does Link bring into a tournament? Control spells. See, that's, that's what I want to. That's what I wanted that's the to hear. Greatest thing I've ever heard. That's I'm exactly thinking. why I asked the question. I fucking love that answer. Does it run Moose? Gods, no. <laughs> no, it's a Namira Shrine deck. It's Namira Shrine, a ton of cheat cards. What about Harmony? Ha Hackme's fading out on it, but I still believe. Are we going to see any sweet harmony action in there? I want harmony to be good so badly. You have no idea. Yeah. It pains me to say that it's not good. Yeah. Because I have to, I sit here hoping, please be good. Yeah. Please be good. Please be good. I no, love I, calm. I love calm effects. Yeah. Harmony's power level is, it, see, like, it, it seems like in a vacuum, like a very, very powerful card that is 100% unplayable and constructed and uh, like backbreaking in arena. It's the perfect, like, puzzle card, right? Like, when you're sitting down and you're like, all right, I'm going to create this puzzle where I'm going to tell people find the lethal or find the, like, survive one turn. Do you guys remember those from, like, what was it, Duelist Magazine or whatever? They used to print for magic. Like, specifically, uh, there were some magic puzzles and they were always, like, win this turn or survive for one turn or whatever. Harmony is, like, the perfect card for that, I think. I just I like calm effects mostly because it always tilts me. When when you've dropped a couple of creatures, you played an aggro curve, you know what I mean? It's then your opponent plays a hive defender in front of them. Hive defender is this big 
Do we swear on this podcast? Oh, Justin's yeah. already dropped the F bomb like four times. <laughs> yep. So no, we we fucking keep our mouth shut. <laughs> I've defended this big fuck off blocker just in the way it's. And everyone always, like, they go two drop, three drop, Hive Defender messes them up, Earthbone Spinner silences Hive Defender, and then you hit face, and then Hive Defender kills your board anyway. This is what Calm is so good at. You play your two drop, you play your three drop, you Calm or you Harmony, the Hive Defender. Whatever Calm effect, Cloud Rest, I don't care. And then you just kill the Hive Defender for free every yeah. time, and you win the game on that. I, I can't time. tell you how many games I won when I was, like, when I was really big on Midrange Crusader, like, before Ulfric's house Carl dropped. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, like, then it became like, I knew I could be doing playing a better cru Crusader deck and I didn't want to. <laughs> but uh, before that, uh, there was no more satisfying feeling in the world than two drop, three drop, opponent, hive defender, my cloud resolution is free kill. Like, and it, it, back then it happened all the time. And it, it was just an awesome feeling. You, like, you knew you had won the game basically at that point. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, today's meta, uh, circa earlier this week on my lunch break, is, um, you know, you go two drop, three drop, four drop, like sower, and then you're still dead because your opponent was playing Halalu and they'd already played like 30 cards by that time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so, Goblin Skulk exploded into five creatures on turn two. Yeah. Right. With a pit lion and everything else. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, there has been a significant uh, change in the power level of, car of, <laughs> of the ladder in the last two and a half years. Halalu does some interesting things. I didn't miss Halalu for those couple months where nobody was playing it. <laughs> yeah, just had to figure out you cut Haunted Manor and we're all good. Yeah. Well, and I think people had to remember that Drain Vitality wasn't around. And that Halalu yeah. gets in under conscription. Like, you know, and, and I know that, like, this seems like this has come up a lot in the community lately, and you touched on it earlier too, Link. Like, there's a difference between, like, the latter, like, and, uh, you know, a, a tournament scene, right? But for 99.9% .9 of players, like, it, it doesn't matter, right? Like, their experience is that conscription is this boogeyman. It's amazing, and it, it ruins their fun all the time. And so aggro became meta because it beats the shit out of that deck oh <laughs> uh, you know what crushes conscription the hardest nixox but no one like not yeah. everyone's jumping on nixox that deck I, is I super see nixox everywhere that deck is super underrepresented on the ladder i i think that it's just a matter of like well okay i think i i really think there are a couple reasons for this first of all like it's it's it is harder to pilot than a lot of decks second like a lot most like you rarely see content creators playing it right so like the influencers like aren't there's not a lot of streams about nixox like i've never released a video with telvani nixox i did you know? like a 30 minute beginner's video <laughs> but I'm, i mean like it's just not i it's not in people's face all the time right and like because it's like not seen in the ladder very much, like other people aren't that interested in learning to play it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think that the biggest problem with Nixox, and I think it's something that people take for granted, is that um, our largest amount of players play on mobile, and it's yeah. not a mobile-friendly deck. Even uh, with the old client, 
yeah, even with the new client, you know, with bugs, without bugs, whatever, whatever you want to do. That's a good point. Um, too. You know, even on the old client, like I, I was playing Nexox and I did it once uh, on my lunch break and I immediately tweeted. I was like, I feel like I should get an achievement for this because it's just not um, a mobile friendly uh, deck to play. Right now, maybe some mobile phones, maybe on Wi-Fi, whatever. But like my phone is two years old and I'm usually playing on uh, 4G. And for whatever whatever the reason is, um, you know, it's it's not easy for me to play. So I imagine for your uh, other average mobile players, they have a similar experience and they might try it for a bit. But if you've, you know, if you're trying to learn a deck and you're kind of a pseudo casual player, I mean, maybe you play 10 or 20 games a day, but you spend like 10 games on a deck and you successfully do the combo twice and your turn timer runs out four other times and then you just get ran over your other games like you're going to give up on the deck so uh i'm not surprised that it's underrepresented on the ladder uh as a result you're uh you're muted justin i see your lips moving but i don't hear what you're saying you're right <laughs> i forgot about dre no um Look, I have to address something you just said, which is, you know, you said if you're a super casual player, you play 20 games a week on the ladder. Bro, I play 20 games a week on the ladder. <laughs> I probably do like five or six arena run, like versus arena runs and like four or five solo arena runs. But yeah, I'll play about 20 games a week on the ladder and they all go on YouTube. <laughs> that actually came up the other day of... So I've been playing Test Legends full, like basically full time for two years. Um, and admittedly mostly in Australian time zones. And I've versed every member of this community countless times, and I've never once met you on the ladder, Justin. We have never true. once played a game of Test Legends against each other. That is true. That is true. I, you uh, me every time. Yeah. I mean, like, first of all, I think that there's a pretty reasonable explanation for this, right? Like, uh, Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I don't, we don't hang around the same parts of the ladder, I guess. <laughs> Like, look, I, I aim for top 1,000 legend every season. <laughs> and I'm usually pretty impressed with my results. Um, but yeah, it is interesting we haven't run into each other, even in any of these preview events. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, like, uh, I'm trying to think who I've played the most. I've played Santos Vela a number of times. But I mean, like, he, you know, he memes pretty hard, too. He's also a really great player, but like, you know, he memes pretty hard too. So he ends up in the same place as I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what it is about Link, but whenever I play against Link, like when I do run into him on the ladder, it's never once. Like the very first time I ever ran into Link on the ladder, um, yeah. I think he was like number three legend at the time. Um, this was, uh, I want to say like December, January of... Uh, like it would have been December 2016, like January 2017. He was playing an aggro warrior deck that was running Healing Hands, and I hit, I hit Legend One with that deck. Yeah, and I I remember the, like very specifically this is what happened. I played him four times in the same night, and I beat him all four times. And then three days later, I ran into him four times in the same night again, and he beat me all four times. Right, like it was a complete flip flop. But I feel like every time I play against Link, it is very rare that I play against him once. It's almost always I run into him two or three times in the same session. I like, definitely, I definitely have a feeling of like when I finish a stream because you, you, you often would fire up your stream toward the end of mine. Um, like you went through the late part yeah. of my stream and then afterward, I'd often get to the end of my stream and think, "Who are we hosting?" Oh, 
I think we'll host Chom or I feel bad. We crushed him six times today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah, it is. It, it, it whatever it is, like, like, I never run into him once, you know, like very, very rarely. If I'm on my lunch break or something, maybe, but almost always when I run into Link, we are in for like a full on tournament series, whether we're in a tournament or not. That's amazing. Actually amazing. CVH is the other way. I always play CVH exactly one time on the ladder whenever he's playing. Um, and then I always feel bad. Like, even if I win, uh, I feel bad because, like, at this point, like, we're, we're pros. And I'm just like, oh. Like, the other day when we were on the Twitter DMs and I was like, yeah, sorry, CVH. I had a really good draw or whatever. Like, I don't know. CVH is another great player who I have run into the ladder several times. Except against him, I actually think I have a successful win rate. Like, I think I'm above 50% against him. I don't think CVH has ever beaten me on ladder. But it's because as a streaming schedule, I set it up deliberately so that my stream started shortly before CVH finishes. You know, you try to catch CVH's viewers when he jumps off because he was the kingpin. Um, yeah. But so that means I would often be close to, like, I would jump on the ladder, CVH, and I would both be close to the top. Yeah. Um, and so we'd meet each other instantly. He'd be my first game right. of the day. And then I'd beat him, and then people would come to chat and you know, CVH has just turned his stream off, you tilted him or something like that. that it would come up a lot that, I like, it would be my first game of the day, it would be his last game of the day, and it often felt like there were rage quits involved. <laughs> it not have been, but it felt that way. I, uh, I've lost against Person of Secrets twice in the last month. Um, both times he was playing, like, Aggro Mage. Uh... Else. Oh, I ran into Charmer on the ladder last night. <laughs> yeah, how'd that go, Justin? <laughs> I lost. I stream sniped him and like he stream sniped, sniped me. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I Q sniped him and stream sniped him and chatted with him while I was playing against him. And he hit double like two runes in a row. I, I had lethal. I had a handful of charge creatures, and he hit two dark harvester prophecies in a row on runes. Like, like I did everything I could to cheat my way into a fucking victory. <laughs> I even queued up a deck Listen, that like I, wait, I knew wait, it was wait. destroy his deck. Yeah, and like. <laughs> Then let's let's take let's take this back a notch. This motherfucker, right? I'm streaming. He stream snipes me. He's talking to me while playing. And the deck he uses isn't just one that's like meant to beat the deck I'm playing. But as somebody who's been thumping the merits of Dagath for like three months now, he's playing Dagath. As somebody who is like Captain Time to fight charge creatures, he's playing like critical mass of charge creatures in his deck. Everything you got with those harvesters was karma. You deserved it. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I was playing a uh, illusory mimic like charge dot deck. <laughs> like I'm running fucking minotaurs and stuff. He's playing ramp warrior. I'm like, oh, I got this. <laughs> no, needs to say I, I fucking lost. <laughs> Prophecy dark harvest is it? I think I've mentioned this story before on my stream, but game so round one of the qualifier where I qualified for QuakeCon. Yeah. Round one, game five. Um, I had Ramp Scout versus Mono Red Aggro, and I just instantly <laughs> won in, one in 45 to first rune Dark Harvester, nice. and then one proceeded to win that game on one life. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> if, if that if that one in 45 didn't proc in round yeah. one of that qualifier, like that was the one that turned into Quake on. That was the one that was the trip to America. It was great. That's the awesome. The That is awesome. Was that your first time in the States? Yes, it was my first time out of, out of Australia. Is the United States as cringy as you expected it to be? Um, 
you can talk shit so, about our country. We're liberals. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> Fox News was as, every bit as fucked up as like, you hear about. <laughs> I, I will say that. Yeah, um, it's a good. It's getting charmer prepared for going to those Eastern Bloc countries. <laughs> hey, hey, fans of Fox we're, News, we're, but, we're not talking about that publicly yet. Yeah, my bet. <laughs> um, we people just know I'm traveling for work. Surprise me. Um, I'm guessing it's like a, for the part of Dallas and whatnot where we're in. Um, but um, it's I was expecting more concrete jungle sort of thing that just impressions yeah. of US are often New York affiliated and whatnot. Um, yeah. And I live in Canberra, capital of in Australia. It's we have like trees everywhere. It's really, really integrated into nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was quite impressed that at least the area of Dallas, like I was in, that's there were a ton of trees. Like there were a ton of just nature sites. Yeah. It wasn't what I was expecting full urbanized there's yeah. i was gonna say one of the things that people like tend to forget about in the united states is that it's actually 48 percent uninhabited yeah like, it's uh, huge the the last census like 48 percent of american like uh census districts reported zero population yeah there there's a lot there's a lot to that so i think a lot of people forget that there's like 10 big 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 cities in the u.s right something like that right and then even in the big cities, with the exception of like New York, Chicago, or some of those, you can go like 10 miles in one direction and then still find forest. Um, like Detroit, I can go to the center of Detroit and I can take like a 15 minute drive and take you to like a national park or whatever. Like the U.S. is kind of weird like that because there is so much open space, uh, particularly in the Midwest. And they use that... <laughs> Both, both sides of the political aisle like to use that to their advantage one way or the other. Like They like to show the maps and be like, you know, this much of the country uh, voted a certain way. And it's like, well, yeah, but there's like uh, one guy and two horses out there. Like Montana doesn't count. Right. <laughs> you know? Like the state I grew up in, South or uh, that I'm from, South Dakota, uh, has a population of less than a suburb of the city I live in now. <laughs> very just like it's it's a weird place also fucking embarrassing a lot of the time yeah that too ian bits in chat says charmer hates montana confirmed i don't hate montana i'd probably like to visit there sometime but when i was uh when i was in my teens i went through this phase where i was like convinced montana didn't exist because (laughs) that that horse has two senators I mean, I mean, dark ecologist is not wrong. I went through this phase where I was like, I can't name a city in Montana. I've never met anyone from Montana. I don't know anyone who wants to go to Montana. I don't know of anyone who's like, I vacationed in Montana. I was just like convinced. I was like, Montana's not a real thing. Like until somebody proves me otherwise, it's just not a real thing. So, um, fucking, wasn't one not... of the characters in the Mighty Ducks from Montana? I don't know, but there's like Hannah Montana. So then this is why I mentioned it. Cause then like Hannah Montana came out and I was like, that's the whole point. Her, her imaginary like personality was named after an imaginary place. Like this became part of my argument. Hold on, Derek. You're not, you're, you're too old to have ever watched Hannah Montana <laughs> and your kids aren't old enough. So I have some serious Listen, fucking questions I, now. <laughs> I've got a brother that's 10 years older than me. Who spent a lot of time in prison, and his children lived with me. All right, all right. Yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you have this one. <laughs> Ian Bitt says I went through the same phase with the concept of friendship, bro. I'm still oh. there. Justin says he's friends with me, but then he stream snipes me. Yeah, 
No, I wouldn't stream snipe you if you weren't my friend. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I can't works. even say Link's my friend. Like, I'm like, hey, <laughs> hey, Link, you want to? Oh, he just ignores me. I feel like I, I feel like if the, if the three of us lived in the same part of the country, we'd hang out. Oh, absolutely, dude. I'd be playing games at Link. Listen, like, here's what would happen, right? Like, Link would try to dodge it, but I'm the kind of guy that would just show up with, like, a box full of board games at Link's house so he couldn't get out of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big board game fan. Actually, QuakeCon had a long discussion with Jason. Turns out Jason's a really big board game fan. It's like, there'd been some drama a couple of weeks before. It's I'd, I'd insulted Jason and it was all quite awkward. But, um, that's we like made it up at QuakeCon really well. That yeah, it's just, it just turns out you meet the person at the other side of the username. Like they're not just a faceless thing on the internet anymore. And hey, yeah, we really, really into the same hobbies. Wow. You're apparently no Justin Link, because I think he dropped from Jeez. the call. So uh, you're a little weird on the screen, but that's okay. Uh, so I've, lo I've lost Justin, but... Yeah, you know, it's, I've lost Justin. This is your end of technical. No, no, I mean, like, I've lost I've lost Justin, too. Like, he's just goner, gonerino at the moment, but... Yeah, he just sent a message says, uh, so I assume he needs to rejoin here in a minute. Yeah, I mean, that was one of my favorite things about QuakeCon. Um, like, pretty definitively, I would say, as much as the tournament is fun and all of that, uh, the sitting around the table was, I think, my favorite part, right? Playing Magic, just goofing off. I, 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 want, I want an excuse to do it again. Justin says he's trying to join call, but nothing's happening. I'm going to tell him to try restarting. Making me uh, envious, Silverview says. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. Nah, that, that magic game was... Like, those magic games... I've had a lot of practice with magic, and... I don't know, I got smashed... I was looking forward to proving myself at Magic. Like, that used to be a full-time thing of mine. And then meet Josh. Like, you know, you've seen, you watch Josh Adelaide on the Pro Tour and whatnot. No, okay, I'll verse you at Magic. I'm, like, I never meet the American pros. I've never versed one of the American pros at Magic before. And then it turns out Justin put a true name freaking nemesis in his... In his cube. cube. Yeah. It's, yeah. Josh just goes turn three true name nemesis and, oh, guess I'm dead. Let's pack this up. <laughs> this was this was my shot. But alas, at least I can blame Justin rather than my own failures. That's always comforting. Listen, I blame him all the time. Well, I don't know what to do about Justin here. He says that he's trying to reconnect. Um All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to temporarily disband the call and then try uh, restarting it. It's so funny. At the start of this, Link said, hey, sometimes I have problems with Discord. And we were like, oh, it'll be fine. And then it's not Link that's the problem. It's Justin. Like all like all things in life, Justin is the problem. Um, here, add friends to DM. Actually, we might not have to end the call. I might be able to just like re-add him here. 
We'll give this a try first. So you love board games. What uh, what are the board games that that really like soak up your time? In terms of a lot of play, it's Race for the Galaxy. I taught Griffin how to play Race for the Galaxy Quake Gun. He smashed me in his first game. That was that was a little embarrassing. <laughs> I was supposed to be good at that one. Um, Star Wars Rebellion is easily my favorite, if you know that one at all. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Star Wars Rebellion, cool. I'm a big fan of the video game. I've streamed that a bunch. Board games just as good. And there's one, there's a really old one that no one ever knows called Republic of Rome. But you basically just roleplay Roman senators. Um, and it's sort of unique in that you do a ton of stuff real time. So it's like when you start negotiating deals and whatnot, whoever's in charge of the Senate floor, like at any time, can just declare right discussions over and calling a vote. It might not be in their best interest to do so because if he calls it early, everyone just vote against him because they didn't get the deals like they wanted to. Um, but like, if a vote's going against you, you can just declare an assassination at any time, like just mid-vote. That's it. I'm coming to like, you know, stabbing Caesar, Ides of March style. And it's really fun playing a board game in real time. You might have to restart the whole call. Yeah, we might have to give that a, a go as well. Yeah, I've got I've got like a whole stack uh, of stuff. Um, do you prefer? I mean, do you prefer the head-to-head -head stuff when you do the board games, or do you enjoy any of the co-op stuff like Pandemic or Arkham Horror or anything in that vein, or even something like Descendant, where it might uh, or uh, Descent, excuse me, where it might be like a group versus one person. Yeah, a lot. I haven't played. Um, so Eldritch Horror is pretty good. I do. I like most board games. I find, to be honest. Um, <laughs> as always, I like studying, like competitively, like Dominion. I, um, Dominion's one that I picked up fairly early, and everyone started playing Magic Theory. You know, it's a lot of Magic players start playing, and you know, card advantage and tempo and. Um, it was really fun showing that no, no, that's not how Dominion works, <laughs> and then playing playing Dominion tournaments. Um, yeah, that's not how Dominion works at all. It's I have a little bit of a confession with Dominion, because uh, in Magic's like in Magic, win trading's really accepted. Like it's sort of just part of it that you would you know not win trading per se, but intentional draws and things yeah, yeah, like yeah. that price, price splitting. Other games tend to frown on it, but Magic, you know, it's it's fine. It's accepted. Um, and I took that attitude to a Dominion tournament once and have since realized, wait, that's really, really frowned upon because my friend and I got to the semifinals, um, the second last table, um, and we had this broken strategy for it with like gardens and things um, that not many people knew at the time, and I'm sure it's been improved on in the years since. But we ended up like agreeing that okay, one of us has to go out here and we just sort of rigged the whole semi-final that one of us would go through and one of us would just sabotage the other players. And it didn't even occur to me at the time that that's like not a thing to do. <laughs> so I can claim that 
my team has won the one Dominion tournament we entered. I, still, <laughs> I like playing board games competitively, but that, that's a, a turn from a point of pride to a secret confession these days. So if you enjoy Dominion, have you ever played Ascension at all by chance? Uh, it's another deck building game uh like similar uh, to dominion it is made it is made by stoneblade entertainment who made soulforge yeah and it's ascension's ascension's good i don't mind ascension as a game but the stoneblade developers they were very very dishonest in the final months of the game they lied to a lot of people um and i I refuse to support them. I don't like Ascension anymore. That that's fair. I I am not ashamed to admit that I played a lot of Ascension, but thankfully, like physically in person. So like it was my buddy bought the board game, and I didn't have to support it. <laughs> like I've I've probably played I don't know four or five hundred hours of Ascension without ever actually paying money myself. So <laughs> I get like the best of both worlds. <laughs> welcome back uh, welcome back uh, justin dude i don't know what the fuck happened like my browser just shut down all of a sudden and uh then and then every time i tried to try to launch again like discord in chrome it kept saying browser not supported yeah well let me stop you right there justin there's an yeah. app for windows right like well, an I, actual... I, I doubt i downloaded it and that's what i'm using now yeah and that's why it's working now this is this is why I try to tell you you should do things like use apps on your phone instead of like going to Reddit in the browser on your phone and then like pinch and zooming everything, right? Like it, it turns out if you use the dedicated tool, it works. Uh, turquoise, uh, every time I hang out with Derek, he finds a new thing about my use of technology to be disgusted by. <laughs> You mean to tell I, me you this I whole time you were decisions. on the browser? I can't. We've been doing this for a year, Justin. Yeah. Well, I didn't know there was an app. But when I when I brought up the... Uh, well, I had the app on my phone, but I, I didn't know the apps worked on the computer, too. And it was like... <laughs> it was like... Uh, it's the like current browser not supported. Like, do you want to download the app? I was like, yeah, all right. So, you know, I tried that and it worked. Oh. Yes, Ian Bits. Ian Bits in chat says... Uh, he uses browser Reddit. Justin, download Reddit is fun right now or I'm unsubbing. Yes. He literally goes on his phone in a browser, goes to Reddit on his phone, and then like pinches and zooms. The first time I saw this, we were at uh, one of the qualifiers casting, and he was like, hey, I want to check out Reddit and see what people are saying, you know, because we were super nervous that people were going to judge us, and then we were correct. People judged us. But uh, I saw him go to Reddit on his phone. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, look, man. You do you, okay? <laughs> so here's what you missed. Uh, Turquoise right. Link is joining our competitive uh, artifact team, our competitive board game team, uh, and our competitive wear awesome jacket team. So we've got everything covered. Sweet. You got to carry me at Scrabble, though. I suck at Scrabble. I love Scrabble. This actually fit this 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 is like we were talking before the show about the ACT. Yeah. <laughs> this is the part of the ACT I did well on. Listen, between the three of us, we have the ACT aced. Yeah. Do we? I think like so. Like I said, I, 
36 in English and reading, 16 in math. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bam. I don't know what the ACT is other than the state in which I live. Oh, uh, here in the States, when you're like leaving high school, there's like two standardized tests you take. And then depending on how well you do on them, that determines like whether universities care if you're alive or not. Uh, one is the ACT and one is the SAT. Okay. So. I never took the SAT. I didn't take the SAT either. Which one you take or which one is prioritized kind of depends on which part of the country you live in as well. Um, a lot of people will take like both and then hedge their bets. If they do well on one, then other universities might give them a scholarship or something. But I, I only took the ACT. ACT is the only thing that got me into college, man. I had a 1.7 GPA in high school and I graduated in the bottom third of my class. So if I, <laughs> if I hadn't taken the ACT, I would not have gotten into college. <laughs> All right. What, looking at Ian Bit's comment in chat here, your competitive awesome jacket team will get destroyed by whatever team Karakon is on. I'm going to be slightly evil for a moment. I get another QuakeCon experience. But one of the big things I found at QuakeCon, one of the jarring things was there are a lot of people that, like, you're not surprised by their appearance. That's exactly what you would expect out of, you know, oh, that's like my opponent that's the nerdy guy sitting on the other end of the competitive card games yeah yeah myself included and then you see some of them that you're basically a model like what the fuck yeah uh, <laughs> listen i'm, I know what you mean. I'm just gonna, i'm gonna call out caracon and frogger those two are ridiculously good looking people yeah i was just gonna say like i'll finish that sentence for yeah. you caracon when i met him i was like yeah okay where's the real one right like if you would have asked me to draw a picture <laughs> yeah. of caracon for charades it would not have looked like that like handsome uh he looks like a bond villain right like a he like does, a smooth yeah, yeah. bond villain yeah the, yeah I the agree. kind the kind of bond villain that top decks in a nasi against you you know what i mean like <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah wow i was not expecting that and he was he was uh very laid back very cool very easy to talk to um yeah. Not, not what I was expecting at all. Everyone, I mean, I have to say, oh, like everyone impressed me. Like I, I really enjoyed meeting everybody in person. It was, it was super fucking cool, you know. Like for, for the most part, people's like in person persona matched up with their online persona, uh, which was nice, you know, just because like I had some kind of point of reference. Like I kind of felt like I knew people, but like it was, uh, it was, it was really, really fucking cool. Yeah, I, I turned up and like, uh oh. I think I've personally insulted everyone here. That's, that's, that's going to be a problem. And then we, when we got to the venue for the first time, because yeah. the new Just a Lazy Gamer was coming, we chatted about that before. Yeah. I, got, I got to make the reverse comment of, uh-oh, I think everyone here but me has personally insulted Just a Lazy Gamer at some point. <laughs> so that's going to be awkward. Yeah. That was funny. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, Just Lazy Gaming was an interesting person to meet. Because, like, you know, you kind of want him to be despicable in person, right? I mean, it makes things, it makes life easier. Very, um, very excited, like, Bethesda fan. He yeah. loves, loves these games. Loves these games, very nice guy. Uh, you know, great to talk to. Um, you know, I still don't like what he, what he does <laughs> with the rebroadcasting, but, like, uh, as, as a human being, like, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, like, I had a really great chat with him.
Yeah. Um, I didn't. I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm like in the link, but I don't really have like any strong feelings about him one way or the other. So when I met him, it was just like, oh, okay, that's that's who you are. You know. We we chatted for a little bit. I'm not gonna be like Justin though. I'm not gonna pretend like everyone was amazing. I definitely had favorites. There were some people that were at QuakeCon that I just downright did not like. Like. They may not have insulted me uh, the way Link has, but uh, they are still far bigger assholes than Link has ever been to me. You know, like <laughs> the kind of people that would stream snipe you with a Dagath deck. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we've hung out like 10 times. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were actually going a different direction with this, and I was actually kind of amazed, and I was strapping myself in. <laughs> you were so, strapping yourself in? No, no, no. Of course, I'm, <laughs> of course I'm just debating you so that I can talk more shit about you, Justin. Totally fair. Totally fair. No, it was, it was a great experience. Listen, I... I spent a lot of time, so like when I worked in that comic and gaming shop, you get to meet uh, gamers of all shapes and sizes and personality types and quirks and whatever. And like at yeah. this point, um, unless you're like a downright horrible human being, it's pretty hard for me to dislike somebody because at the end of the day, like you guys are my people, right? Everybody's yeah. there because they just want to play like nerdy fantasy children's card games that's yeah. that's who i am on the inside so that's who everyone else is and of course uh it's a it's a competitive game that we uh choose to play so there's uh moments where we get frustrated or uh we say things but you know at the end of the day we're all doing the thing we love and we couldn't do it without each other so uh yeah you know i it's not gonna listen i've i've blown up on uh shunara who i'm pretty sure i i've seen floating around in chat uh i've blown up on ian bits uh i've blown up on uh you know a number of people as well right so like i wouldn't worry about that link we all have our bad days and we're all doing things um yeah. but yeah listen i'm uh it's pretty it's pretty uh it's it's uh it's pretty hard to get me to like actually hate you the things that I say out of frustration or uh, whatever, I'm not going to hold against anybody else. So, I don't think I've ever said anything rude to or about Link. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I felt like we've always kind of got along, and it's been nice. I'm sure, like, I mean, look, like, I, I'm easy to make fun of. So if you've made fun of me before, like, that's cool. Like, I, I get it. Like, I'm ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, I felt like we've always gotten along really well. I may have mocked your deck selection and card advocacy at times. I will nah, confess. That's fair. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're following my current moose campaign. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes <I> am. <laughs> Look, man, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I had this realization like when I got like a couple years after I got sober and, and this just, this is uh just like been the focus like a prime like pillar of my like life since then, which is that objective reality is irrelevant, <laughs> right? It, like that how you feel about something like is way the only thing that matters. And I feel like I try to use like my platform now in this game to advocate for having a good time. And if enough people believe they're going to have a good time when they do something, they will have a good time when they do something. I mean, like I, I think I do the best I can with what I got. What about you, Link? 
Are you advocating for people to have a good time? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, see, I think you, I think Link is. Uh, I think you are on the, on the. I want people to have a good time page. I think this is why. You know, like I wasn't kidding when I said I really wanted you on the podcast. Like, I mean, I know that. Like, to be fair, I would say that about. I, I do say that about every person who comes on the podcast. But like, I, <laughs> I really like actually am excited that you're here and that we're chatting and hanging out. Well, listen, you say that about everyone who comes on the podcast because it's the truth, because the people who aren't here for the most part aren't here for a reason. So, like, if you've made it this far, then it's because we actually nope. wanted you. No, we've had guests I didn't want on the show. <laughs> well, yeah, but, like, CVH works there now, so we're, we're kind of obliged. <laughs> that is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh. Nah. No, I, I mean, like, I, I just, you know, this game's, I, I know that I've like, never belonged to another gaming community before, so I have no point of reference, but, so it's easy for me to be, like, authentically, like, this is the best gaming community ever, right? Because, like, I haven't, you know, no fucking idea. Like, there might be one where it's just, like, all free candy and blowjobs all day, but, like, I, I really enjoy, like, all the interactions I have with people, and, and it is, like, the gamut of, like, different types of points of view and experiences and, and personalities and shit that, like, make it interesting, right? Like, if everybody was like, Derek, like, <clears throat> this game would have died and been destroyed a long time ago, and Bethesda would have gone out of business. Like, fortunately, there's only one of him, and there's, like, a, there's also a Link and a Justin and an Ian and a Silver Fuse and everybody else. See, I've got the... I have the opposite perspective. And I'm, I know everyone, like... You know, has friends that they're fallen out of touch with and you know everyone can relate to it but for me specifically with card games is i've spent like more than half my life like 13 or so i think was my first card game until i moved um you know studying card games playing competitively with a team traveling playing tournaments and things and so i got a long list of you know gaming communities that like i really do miss and and yeah test legends is a great one absolutely but i can't like i don't sit here and say like test legends is the greatest thing i've ever been part of because i can remember great people from other games we mentioned soulforge at the start of the stream i i miss pion i miss team battle branded like these were teammates that i spent eight hours a day every single day talking to studying with shared interests that's you get a really really strong connection and then when like circumstances out of your control, like the game runs out of money and closes down, it's it really, really hurts when that those circumstances then drive you apart. And you can find other great communities. You know, I found Test Legends in 2016 and things like that. But you still get, oh, I wish I wish I still had those friends. And even the early days of Test Legends, I, I mention often, I miss SLW. I miss Romanesque. They were two of my favorite people in the world that, January 2017, all day, every single day, SLW and I would sit down and study Test Legends. Not just play, like we would study full on. And you can see for, at the time, all of the best decks were the two that we worked on um, for that for that month, January 2017. And so yeah, I got I have all these past communities that have come and gone. And yeah, it's this this one's great, but this isn't the only one for me. That's fair, and I appreciate you sharing like that uh, that insight. You know, because I think, I think a lot of people this is their first experience with the community, and uh, yeah, I guess it's important to keep keep grounded about these sorts of things. 
I, one of the things that I think that Legends has going for it beyond its community, though, is that it's clearly a passion project for Pete Hines. <laughs> right? Like, I think the game exists because of his force of will and uh, is going to continue to exist for some time. You know what I mean? Like, they've got Bethesda money and the backing of, like, important people at Bethesda. So I don't imagine the game just disappears. I've never worked up the courage to talk to Pete, so... <laughs> yeah, he's, uh... <laughs> I once sent him a message on Twitter that said, uh, I appreciated it when you said, fuck Nazis. Totally out of context. And he just responded with, like, a smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> He is uh, equal parts a very genuine down-to-earth guy and also a very intense guy. And it kind of yeah. depends on when you get a hold of him. <laughs> like, what else is going on in his life, right? Like, you know, is uh, did his soccer team win today? Then you're probably doing well, right? If his hockey team lost and he's, uh, you know, also flying and hasn't been home in, you know, 15 days or whatever, and then he sometimes is less approachable so but that's normal that's that's life i mean we all have we all have our bad days right like just like uh i mean i myself had a pretty rough week i mean i i know that like you and like derek you and christian got the worst of it and fucking dms yeah <laughs> but like i had like for, for for my online presence like i had like the worst week i've ever had you know what i mean L listen like, I got... sometimes you get dick pics in your DMs. Justin just sends you being a dick in his DMs. It's not exactly what I did. <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I, I did... much nicer friends than you two, apparently. <laughs> I no, wouldn't no. know, Link. I try. <laughs> Hold on. Like, <laughs> I wasn't that bad. I was just bad for me. I was pretty depressing this week, actually. Yeah. But you know what? All it takes is like one moment, and when it was related to the game, it was, it was a, a great stream I had where I just like, it was like, hey man, for two hours I'm gonna leave my pretense behind and my 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 self importance and shit, because other people want to participate and want to have this experience together, and I put that aside, and I was like, I'm gonna play Spell Sword, <laughs> and uh, and we had an absolutely beautiful like stream. And I just, I got off my pity pot and like, I fucking, I, every other aspect of my like life then improved because like I stopped like indulging that part of me that was just like really just like focused on this negative shit. And the game helped me with that. Hey, I will say, man, I, I have some new respect for you. Like, I know that you've pulled, like, you posted your, your Twitch uh, stats, like, about how much money you've made, how much hours you've streamed, and all that shit. I gotta say, Link, like, I'm tremendously impressed with the effort you have put forth streaming Legends over the last, like, forever. Because, like, I stream six hours a week, man, and it is fucking exhausting for me. <laughs> yeah, I... Like, it's... I know it's like you say mentally taxing and things, but it actually is just physically exhausting that, I, you know, I, I would do a 10 hour stream or something that I'd wake up at 7 a.m. It's for my time. It's roughly when CVH was finishing. Uh -huh. um, and then I would do a 10 hour stream and I'd fall asleep again. Like 
a 10-hour day is not a long day. It's if you fall asleep come the afternoon, that'll mess up your sleep schedule. And that happened to me often, but like, it is physically wearing. Absolutely. I, I, I think that streaming is significantly harder than making YouTube content. I have never made a YouTube video despite many promises, so... I think it... No, you're, you're the expert. You're, both of you are the expert on comparing, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I think it depends on the kind of YouTube content. Like, when I just want to do, like, a couple quick games, right? Like, then, yeah, the YouTube stuff is way easier than streaming. But whenever I'm like, all right, I want to do something very specific, and then I say to myself, I mentally, right? Like, I know I need these kind of clips to showcase uh, this concept or idea. Yeah. Um, then it starts to become a nightmare because inevitably I try to recreate it. And even if I try to recreate it against bots or in casual or whatever, it takes forever to get the clips that I want. And then I have to then go into the editing and like mash everything together, hope that I didn't miss something in editing, like do a bunch of sp like, those are the videos that, uh, like take, the most energy like more than streaming more than anything they take the most out of me for sure because i'm like stressing over every little detail that's why i i only do those uh every so often i, I mean like I, I i agree like in for me there's a difference between like playing something meme right like a deck that is like tier four on a good day but like can win right and making a YouTube video for that. And then setting out with a mission, being like, hey, man, I'm going to... I mean, the ultimate example of this in my case is when I was like, I'm going to pull Dagother with Siege of Stros Mackay. <laughs> you know? Like, when you set an objective like that, it's like, now this could take six hours, right? For like a 20-minute video that might not be funny. <laughs> yeah. Now, imagine, imagine trying to do that, Justin, but now imagine if instead you said to yourself, like, I'm going to do a wacky highlights video. And that was like one of ten clips you needed. Yeah, it's on. I mean, yeah, like, the amount of, the amount of effort put you need to put into that is just unfathomably yeah. like not worth it. Yeah, Especially yeah. since like the different and and you know there's a matter of incentive too, right? Like you have to be you have to ask yourself at some point like why you're doing it, you know? Like the difference between the meme like daily videos and the like once every week or two weeks where I like set out with an objective to do something insane and then like I pull it off. Like the difference may be five hundred two between to, between five hundred and two thousand views, right? And like, if you look at the amount of time difference it takes to make those videos versus the amount of time difference that, that it makes takes to play four games of Spell Sword on the ladder, uh, you know, it's just you, you have to be doing it because you you care about it and like not because like you plan on you know going viral or some shit because you're never going to do that playing Legends. Yeah. I well, whilst we downplay it here, like. At the end of the day, I was still I was still playing uh, video games all day, every day for a living, and that was you know awesome. <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, there is that. Um, I guess for me, Justin, maybe maybe it's just like the kind of stuff that I do periodically that is the reason it is kind of maddening at times. Is that um, when I, whenever I have these videos, it's always like I want to teach something, right? Like there's always something I want to capture. Like, for example, granted, this was for like went back in uh, beta, right? But like I have a uh, like three video series about some of the basic concepts uh, of Gwent. One was like tempo and one was a couple of other things. And I remember that the, collectively those, I think they were like 10 minute videos and there was three of them. And collectively, I probably spent like 10 hours working on those. 
but I knew that I wanted to teach certain things and have it edited a certain way. And it's not, I don't know, like those are what always exhaust me. And I stress about it because like, because I'm teaching, like I know that the material has to be correct, right? Like you want to showcase the thing so that you can properly convey the message. And I can't like halfway through and be like, well, I almost got it. Let's just upload it anyway. Like that, I don't know, it stresses me out. I once recorded a Gwent video, actually. An entire, like, like, hey, I'm playing Gwent, and I played a couple games with some dwarf deck, and uh, <laughs> by the time I was finished recording, like, th my third game, I was like, you know what? I fucking hate Gwent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me and my Hand of the Gods video. I, I did the same thing with that game! I recorded a video for that, too, and I was like, dude, I... I, I, I and that, that one, I sucked at it, too. <laughs> Yeah, that one started as a, hey, you should try this out. And by the time that I posted that video, it was just me railing against the game. Yeah. I remember... Good. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. So when... Uh, I saw Inez in chat earlier. But when Inez was streaming a little... Um, was So Skyrim had just come out, Skyrim expansion. Um, he started making YouTube videos of the pre-con decks. I remember him commenting on that it's incredibly frustrating not being able to change things. And it was fun to mock him over it. Like It's always fun to tease Inez. Um, but <laughs> it's so, like he had, he was recommending Conjuration Scholars, for example, that, mm -hmm. oh, go and craft Conjuration Scholars and put them in your upgraded Encarno deck. And it's, oh, what are you doing? It's obvious, this card is awful. No, no, this card's really good, trust me. It's, you know, we had the standard argument of card game players do. Yeah, um, and then the card the card turned out to be awful, and Inez is stuck with this shrine to how wrong he was on his YouTube channel, and it was really funny just watching him, yeah, struggle with that. That with in YouTube, it's it's stuck there. You can't go back and edit the video. Yeah, you got to post a new one to get all the new views on your update. That's why you get weekly <laughs> updates on Mid Range Sorcerer here at Charm. <laughs> <laughs> Like in in my on my Twitch chat, like I have the Moobot thing posting periodically. One of the things it does is link people to Derek's uh, YouTube channel if they want daily updates on how Midrange Sorcerer is looking. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean you are correct, Link. That is something that does kind of suck. Like it sucks specifically with like card reveals, right? You know, if, if something gets released and then you're like, this is. Uh, terrible and then it ends up being amazing then forever you yeah. can go to like CVH's YouTube channel and hear about hi how Hisgrove won't see any play right like that's yeah. the thing that's a thing you can do oh. so uh, CVH is the classic example of this actually yeah so it's one of those like it sucks but I, I, I mean at the end of the day we're all wrong sometimes right so I have yeah. this wonderful tweak to CVH of uh, upcoming Dark Brotherhood expansion in April yeah. Uh, Black Dragon sucks, and Cicero is really, really powerful. Mark my words. <laughs> hey, Cicero is finally seeing some play. Yeah, he is. I don't. It's a little after like my expected timeline for that comment. <laughs> but yeah. That's funny. I don't know. I mean, like, I have to say. Derek and I have a pretty good record when we do our, our, our reviews on Fun and Interactive of reviewing cards pretty accurately. We've we've gotten pretty lucky so far. Yeah, I don't know if that's just by, by the nature of uh, us typically getting safe stuff or... 
No, I mean, like, when we're reviewing stuff, like, I'm trying to think of things where we've been just, like, totally wrong about. I mean, people will probably tell me I'm wrong about Worm King's agent. I stand by that. Link played it in a tournament, so I'm justified. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the general consensus post-tournament was, oh, God, I shouldn't have put this Worm King's listen, agent. Listen, listen, doesn't matter. That's, that's a thing that happened. Um... But uh, I'm trying to think. I know that I've been wrong because I, and I think I've just blocked it out due to like trauma. Well, I have my uh, so like a week I after. I was sitting on that Maricon. I was trying not to say anything. Sorry. A... No, go ahead. Americans praising me for getting Mudcrab Merchant right. Hell yeah, Mudcrab Merchant's awesome. I fought hard for that card. That's Mudcrab Merchant's insane. It'll need to yeah. be nerfed. So did we. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and people thought we were saying that because it was a mud crab and a meme, and we were like, no, this is this seems really good. Yeah. I'm so this one again. Yep. Yeah, we were all right for the wrong reasons, but it's here's the thing, right? Just because we don't necessarily pick the right home, we recognize that it was powerful enough to be considered. That's a win, all right? Yeah. When you compare it to the like some of the people who just say like downright unplayable, we're already ahead of the curve, you know? Yeah. yeah. Link gets a pass there, in my book. Also, I don't know if you caught the beginning, Maricon, but we may have said some kind things about you. We did. We had a lot of nice things to say about you. I'm, I'm looking at my... So I made a, a... I listed the top five cards by Rarity after a week after Morrowind came out. I'm, I want to draw my some attention to work, like my most recent huge fuck-up. Um, for Epics, I said the top five Epics were uh, Mudcrab Merchant, Halalu Sharpshooter, Telvas Magister... Oh, there were six. Corner Club Gambler, Hand of Dagoth, and false incarnate. <laughs> Nailed that false incarnate. I've never seen that card played. You know, it's funny you say that. There's an argument to be made that that might actually still be worth trying because all I've been doing for like the last month is complaining about Blackhand Messenger because of its ability to stall the game. And I haven't seen anybody trying to tech in False Incarnate, but if you could get rid of their ability to stall with that, then all you really have to worry about at that point is, like, the shackles. Yeah. The opportunity cost is too high. You can get so much better than 5-4. Hell, you can just look at Lumbering Ogrim, even. Maricon says he played... The main problem... Go ahead. The main problem with False Incarnate is, quite simply, that, like, it doesn't block the healing, it just delays it. Like, you play False Incarnate, then they kill it, and then they heal afterward. That's fair. Maricon says he played False Incarnate against Nickel Queen. <clears throat> Maricon is responsible for Alter Monk. Maricon also swore by Blackmail Control Mage in early 2017, so... I mean... That was back when Control Mage, you saw a lot of mirrors, and being able to copy Manticoras probably swung some games, I would imagine. I like, I mean, I like Blackmail. It's yeah, like you the, do. It's like the fifth or sixth best pick off of College of Winterhold on one. I don't even know if it would be in my top ten. Okay, like, it's like, 
I think my top five is probably Fabricate, Blackmail. The fact that you started with Fabricate tells me everything I need to know about you, Justin. <laughs> Rapid shot, depending on the situation. Uh, what else? You're forgetting Scott's report. Scott's report could be good, but like I feel like if I have the like the time to play College Winterhold, like I probably I got enough cards. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. Maybe not. Uh, well, yeah, but if you got enough cards, then why are, why are you listing Rapid Shot there? And not, like, Execute or something. I think because the number it, one hit was Drain Vitality. Because it, put thing, it puts things in Ice Storm range. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've never thought about this, so making something up on the spot is just going to make me look like an idiot. <laughs> 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 and our card review uh, win ratio goes down. Yeah. Pre-clockwork, you could argue that blackmail is top one. Got to counter healing potions, absolutely. That's only because of how much greed you play in your support mage? Yeah, my... my well, no, I don't know. It depends what you mean by greed. When I play support mage, I don't put win conditions in the deck. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's not why I'm here. <laughs> I will say that's one of my favorite things about watching a Link stream. Like, I'm sure everybody has their favorites because Link is very entertaining. But my own personal favorite is every time Link tries to homebrew any control deck and then ends up winning because it's just mid-range anyway. Like, every time he's like, I'm going to play a control deck. And then he generates all this value and he's like, I don't know why I'm attacking, but they're just dead, so it must be working. Like, that's every time I watch it, that's the way that it goes. <laughs> field lane does people, i i know i'm up on the field lane if i've just got three guys in the field lane and they got two in the shadow i'm gonna hit them in the face yeah i'm not disagreeing with the results it's just it's always the same evolution every time you're like let's build this new control deck and then like you establish control and you're like well this is taking too long and you just wail on them uh because you've generated enough like value and tempo um and the re i think the reason i enjoy that is because um and, and i don't want this to sound like a, a knock but um there are players like TDC Jason, right, who have said publicly, I've realized that the only way I can lose is if I attack, right? And Link, who does play a lot of control, realizes instead, like, I only have to do this until I've generated enough positive advantage that I know that I can win, right? Like, I don't have to draw it out until my win is 100% assured and demoralizing. Like, Link is a very smart and talented player, and he can recognize, like, the game is over now and take advantage, I think, much sooner than a lot of other players can. And that's why I enjoy watching it when he plays those control decks, because, you know, as much as I'm, like, pseudo-giving him shit here, like, that's the reality is, um, I think most people in their heads, they imagine control is, you know, the board is empty and my opponent has no cards and now I win, and that doesn't have to be the way you play control. Um, Link is uh, a great example of that. Do you mind if I go on a strategy tangent real quick? Not at all, man. Like we. This we is why we brought you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll message you my coach coaching fee afterward. Fuck. Um, <laughs> um, but I think there's real tangible advantage to attacking. It's like you would talk. You talk about it there as you know. Oh, it's you might as well attack because it's not costing you anything, and um, a paranoia of maybe it could cost me the game. But there's a real, very measurable advantage in your opponent 
being forced to spend cards in ways that they didn't necessarily want to and would have preferred to wait for a better answer. Um, and it's it works out to actual card advantage. It's not theoretical or anything. Um, and you can see that effect come through a ton. Like every time someone lightning bolts your leftover 2 2 Daggerfall Mage, that's a huge win. Um, and then it's a matter of like I'm a big believer in autopilot, and I'm the exact opposite of you can call me Al. You know, Al's famous for taking his time thinking through everything. I'm a big believer in there's a lot in a card game that can distract you from what's important, and you should be thinking. Like what you should be thinking about is the next couple of turns. You know, where am I at the game? In the game, what's my current game state? What does that mean? I should do. And there's a lot of technically correct things can make you, like, can distract you from that. So you need an autopilot. You need a set of defaults. And when someone like CVH is my go-to, because I'm a little more old school than Jason, I guess. Um, but yeah, Jason's definitely the example today of never attack. Um, and they default to that as, okay, I shouldn't attack, you know, it's just not worth it. Um, but when you default to the opposite, um, so those guys, those guys miss out on a lot of this advantage. They miss out on spots where attacking is correct. And I think if you default to attacking, the balance works out better for that. Um, that sure attacking, sometimes you'll attack when it isn't correct and you should have stayed back. But more often than like more often than not, it will attack when it is correct, and it will work out higher in a win rate. Like it's better to fall on that side and make errors on that side than on the CBH never attack style. Anyway, that was my cool story. But um, that is really no, interesting. That's that's a big part of how I view Death Legends. Uh, I'm actually really excited that you said that because uh, you know Justin recently did the article about the wilds incarnate and how in certain matchups people might still be afraid to break runes and then that's going to give people moose value and things like that and um, not only does attacking help negate that but it does also it creates the scenario where much like you said like people might have to use cards in ways they didn't want to um, unless you're playing against decks that just have a high amount of potential burst value right a lot of times just by making it like getting them into a position where they have to worry about not losing as opposed to worry about winning, you can start to make people make mistakes. Um, like I, I've been playing con control decks a little more recently, like on my lunch breaks and stuff, and I'm finding a lot more success attacking because I've kind of taken this point where a lot of the current meta, if you will, aggro decks just draw a million cards anyway. So like the difference in them having five or seven isn't necessarily a big deal. And then they're going to draw off Ash Berserkers and Crusaders Assaults and everything else anyway. And it's uh, it's been really successful for me. So it's an interesting shift. The next step is to start putting Stronghold Eradicators in all your control decks. Well, yeah, because then they can't hide in the shadow lane. Like, that's just that's just value, right? Yeah, it's control and a 6-6 body to attack with. About two years ago, I released a video where I said that card is underrated. <laughs> but I didn't think really deeply about it. It was just a big fucking body. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's not... 
Well, I was just gonna say, I think that a lot of times people sometimes forget that at its core, like, listen, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do in Legends, um, but at its core, like, it's still a game about putting dudes on the board, right? It it has two lanes for a reason. They expect you to put bodies there and they expect you to have combat with them. And it is a very rewarding game if you take advantage of said lanes and combat. Now, there's a lot of different ways you can do that, but um, yeah, that's that's something I, I think gets lost, right? I, people get too caught up in runes and banishes and uh, everything else. And it's like, no, like just play dudes. Yeah. Well, I mean, if your creature isn't working, if it isn't fighting other creatures, and if it isn't threatening to win the game, it might as well be a dead creature. And as much as people talk about prophecies being free cards and free creatures in play and stuff, a creature in the wrong lane is a dead creature. A creature that's not progressing a win is a dead creature. It's... So... Yeah. Heard it here first. Circa January 2017 from Link over and over again. But here first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if anyone's interested, I actually do have a really long guide on Control Monk from April 2017. I'm actually yeah. quite proud of that one. Um, that goes over a lot of Test Legends fundamentals as well as how to play this Control Monk, which was, I believe, was very, very dominant at the time. It was, actually. It was one of my favorite decks to play at the time. I'm actually really sad that the meta for that was as short as it was, if I'm being honest. Yeah. That's on Legends decks. I was quite proud of that guide. It's quite a long one. Yeah, I think a lot of people, if you're a newer player, you may not know, there was a time where the boogeyman of the control format... Because control formats almost always go back to like just one deck, right? Like you can have a number of different aggro decks because they do different things. But at the end of the day for control, uh, at least in Legends history, it usually always comes back to one deck because you find the one control deck that beats the other control decks. And as long as it has an okay matchup against aggro, like you can ladder with it. Uh, control Monk was it. Uh, after Dark Brotherhood, like Rage was kind of popular but once people figured out how to maneuver with control monk there was like a two month period where it was a nightmare and then skyrim ruined it all but <laughs> control monk used to be uh you like you queued into control monk and it was you were in for you were in for a fight yeah that, that was a good time for you huh i was really tilted because CVH put uh, Mid-Sork above it. He put Control Monk second on his meta snapshot with Mid-Sork on top. I disagreed with him, but for you, this is a dream come true, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought... No, here's, here's why. Here's why it wasn't a dream come true for me. CVH only put one of my decks on his on his snapshot one time. One time, and that was time to fight Battle Mage, and he put it down in like tier three or tier four, and that was because it was like rampant on the ladder at, at that point because people figured out it was very cheap to build. Like I did, I did relatively well with it in one championship series tournament, and then uh, oh god, the name's escaping me now. There was another streamer that like fell in love with it, and uh, he hit legend like really fast with it. Uh, and Bradford Lee was playing it on stream for a bit as well. Like Bradford Lee saw me play it in the tournament. Him and I had some conversations. And then he took it to really high legend. Um, and that was the only time CVH ever put one of my decks on the thing. 
anytime if it was a deck I was playing at the time, like even if I was doing well or whatever, like he would never reference me or use my my list or anything. Like it was always always something else. So Dude, no, it was not a good time for me. I, I can remember multiple instances where a deck that I had made showed up on a meta snapshot and the description of the deck included this like uh, some variation of this caveat which was uh, it was always in like tier 4 or some shit and it was like while this archetype doesn't seem particularly strong it is super present since Justin fucking played it last week <laughs> thanks dick like like that's <laughs> some variation of that would, would like as a disclaimer would come along the deck like every time <laughs> i know yeah. what happened this summer with like <laughs> mid-range spell sword actually <laughs> <laughs> we had pilfer monks i used to write up the meta snapshots for those that don't know it for a long time yeah. um or contribute to them sorry cvh wrote the actual text um and every month we would yell at cvh just take pilfer monk off already it has never been a thing it will never be a thing yeah it was it was it's just, just one guy it was boom's life like yeah. boom's life had that thing on life support but then there was always the argument of, yeah, but like you go look at the subreddit, every single new player, or like just the vast majority of new players will say, is Pilfer Monk good? Can I play Pilfer Monk? Like it's just so popular among new players. So we'd always put it at tier four, make it clear Pilfer Monk sucks, but everyone <laughs> wanted to know about it. That's why it was there month after month. That's awesome. <laughs> I need yeah. to record a video with Pilfer Monk. <laughs> Yeah, so like with moose. Oh god, pilfer moose. Pilfer moose. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it used to drive me nuts when he would do those because then there was also like I remember once like him and I used to have this conversation all the time about like um, popularity versus power level, right? Like he would write the meta snapshot and he would like I remember SLW and like two other people were playing math crusader right like the deck was literally played yeah. by like three people period and he put it it's really high yeah. yeah and he put it really high on one of his meta snapshots and i was like i mean you're not technically wrong from a, maybe a power level standpoint cvh but nobody's gonna run into this on the ladder like you're not preparing anybody for what they're gonna experience and like I don't, him and I used to always have arguments about that. It's probably why he never put me on the, the damn thing because I was always like, "Hey, I feel like you're not doing people to prepare, you know, doing a good job of preparing them for the meta. Like you might be telling them what's good, but they're gonna go out on the ladder and they are not going to experience what this thing looks like." Yeah, it was a problem in March 2017. Um, Monsieur Monsieur Bonnet, if you remember him, I do. He was the only guy playing Doomcrag Warrior. And he had his own special variant with Sylvanar trackers and things. And like we'd all sit around for the meta snapshot. And so I've never beaten Monsieur Bonnet. I'm like 015 against him. And everyone else agreed. Yeah, I'm like 05, 08. And he's like ranked two on the ladder or something. Yeah, he was crushing it with that. I don't yeah, think I ever just, beat him. So no like so no not, none of us have played Doomcrag Warrior. But none of us none of us have beaten him. Like he's just beating everyone with this deck do we include it in the meta snapshot or not and that's you get tough decisions like that yeah i think i mean like so i've always believed that the meta snapshot should actually reflect the meta right <laughs> like i don't care about power level like make it clear you're not like you're not ranking them by power level give examples of the archetypes people are likely to actually run into 
would be my suggestion. Yeah, that was always mine. Uh, one, I was trying to like also tell him to double dip. I was like, you should really just do two. You should have a meta snapshot where you're just talking about like popularity of stuff, right? Because there's going to be people who will want to do their own deck building, but they'll want to know what to expect. So if you give them the list of like, this is what people are playing, then they can go and maybe do their homebrews and come up with something new to combat the meta. And then I always told him that he should also have a power rankings, essentially, right? And this one would instead be like, these are the decks that we think uh, are really high power level right now that may or may not reflect what people are playing. Because now you've got A, two sources of content to keep people coming back, and B, you provide people with the right tool for the right job for whatever it is that they want to consume. But I don't know if he just didn't want to write twice or uh, if he just hated me. Um, Probably I, hated you. I man. assume it's just that he hated me, but... That's the most reasonable assumption. <laughs> it's probably the same reason why he still won't put Satanine in anything either. I, I, I don't know what it is about me. Like, whenever I have an idea, I feel like it takes three, six months before people come around on it. And then even then, it's like 50-50. Uh, did you guys know that, did you guys know you can build a deck that is 50 cards and only has cards with the word pilfer in the text I did not know that yeah <laughs> get ready ladder yeah, you can build a deck with just master of thieves and thieves den and no other pilfer creatures and everyone will still call it pilfer monk yeah it's better that way actually <laughs> if you have no creatures with pilfer in the deck everyone right. still calls it pilfer monk it was control right. monk, damn it. Alright, so I got forty seven cards with Pilfer on the text Wait. and three and three moose. Wait, so so Link and Ian are saying I knew Satanine is a hack me thing? When was Hack Me playing Satanine? I've been stumping so, this thing for forever. The Rankstar tournament I took nine Satanine couriers to that, right? Or was it twelve? I mean twelve. No, because I didn't have them in spells off, right. I had nine Satanine couriers in that. And that was entirely good. Zach me told me to keep putting them in everything. Deck's gonna be awesome. Listen, Ian, Ian bit's calling this a, a garbage card. No, Satanin is amazing. <clears throat> I got some really cool kills with it. Like there'd be times late game in control mirrors where you just go Satanin, Night to Remember, Uprising, and just burst someone for nine. Yeah, like. Yeah. The, here's the thing that I like about Satanine. Like, combat tricks aside, like, it's great. It's really satisfying to throw it on your ward creature and chew through something, like, really big. But the number of, like, sheer victories that I've gotten because nobody expects you to have that kind of reach, right? Like, everyone plays around, like, what if they have Bolt? What if they have Double Bolt? What if they have Tazcad? Um, but yeah, I've won a lot of games with, like, Cliff Racer Double Satanine. You know, like, more than I want to probably admit because it just... It's not something people are used to playing around, I think. Whilst that's true, Silver Fuse, I took out Cultist with Satan, a Wardcraft to Satanine combo a number of times. That was in a tournament against some very skilled players. Um, uh, I like Pastor, I have a lot of respect for. Very, very smart guy. Um, so those Wardcrafters would always end up in the shadow lane. Um, and like I said earlier, a creature in the wrong lane is a dead creature. So. It's not as big a blowout as it looks. Damn, I just queued into guard.spellsword with my 47 pilfer creature deck. 
It happens Fuck. every time you do a meme. Like the someone's there with the perfect counter meme every time. Jesus, yeah. it's, it's, oh, it's I played Control Mage today, and the very first game was what was um Journey Control Warrior or something like full on Night Talon Lord, average mana cost of eight point five. <laughs> That's the. <I'm> sorry, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> oh, oh man. That's all right. We're gonna make we're gonna make this happen. So we normally do it much sooner, but we've been having a blast. We should uh, probably open up for questions from chat at some point. That's a good idea because I mentally checked out forever ago. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you never mentally checked in. Oh, oh shit! On curve, master of thieves. It's over, boys. Oh. Skuma underboss, you're so good. So if people in chat have Said questions no for uh, Link, for Justin, Said no one ever get the fuck out of here. For myself, <laughs> Warrior Seven. Uh, I also want to say hello to you specifically in chat because I see that check mark and I am very very excited. If you guys don't know, Warrior Seven finally got Twitch partner and the finally is yeah. like a slap in the face because he deserved it long ago. Like it was, it was kind of a crime that Warriors was not already a partner. Um, Absolutely, congratulations, man. So I, I just want to say, you know, special shout out, congratulations, because it was long overdue. Definitely. Uh oh yeah, uh, Link, how did your dance competition go? Am I some kind of dance champion? No. Rankings get a little obscure because they don't really rank things outside of the podium, the top three, but I basically came 12th out of 16. I enjoy dancing, but I'm not good at it. So Ian has a uh, question specifically for Link, which is, uh, what do you think we should do to counter Ice Knee Control? Uh, add a combo has a bad matchup, but I'm struggling to find a good matchup besides other control decks with better round ones. Uh, if you are not familiar, this is actually a Gwent-related question, but I'm actually curious as well what you do to combat Ithne, because uh, personally, I just play Fun Police Usurper, and it's still only like 50-50, but when I win, I feel really good about it because I made them cry. Uh I think the answer is mostly just put less emphasis on the last play. Like, just have a bunch of stuff. You can sort of play around Scorch. Like, Shiru destroys you no matter what you do. Maybe that's not true anymore after nerfs, but anyway. If it's... I get too focused on trying to counter-combo them. Just beat them in points. Sounds like legit advice. Silverfuse wants to know from each of us, what is our favorite deck past or present to play? It's my favorite deck ever. Uh, Test Legends, it's mid-archer. Pre-burn and pillage nerf. So the, my favorite series ever, and I'm assuming it's not on the internet anymore, um, but me versus Romanesque in the finals of some tournament? I don't remember if it was... Like Master of the Scrolls, if you remember those. Might have been a J-Star tournament. Might have been a Brad tournament, actually, Streamer Showdown. But it was in December. Um, Romanesque still played Soul Rest Marshal, and I didn't. Um, everyone called me insane. CBH like, wouldn't believe Soul Rest Marshal sucks. 
and then you got it nerfed anyway. Um, but this was five mana Soul Rest Marshal. Um, that's my favorite series I have ever played. It was a mid Archer Mirror. It was a, it's a matchup everyone says is you know luck based coin flip. You just smork and then burn and pillage the other guy, and it's like there's no skill to it. One of the most skill intensive matchups I've ever played um, was that. Yeah, I always felt like that was a bad analogy because that only worked if you let them have control of the board. Like if you fought for control of the board and then they played burn and pillage, but they only had like one creature left behind, then they weren't that far ahead and it was kind of a waste. At least yeah. that, that was always my my take on it. Like whenever I was playing the Absolutely. mirror, I I've just fought for the board harder and that was usually how I turned it around. Yeah, so you needed a balance between the board control and still and how powerful burn and pillage was like you needed to strike a balance on that that was really tricky to do what about you justin you're muted still sir fuck <laughs> my, my favorite deck of all time by the way i just won with motherfucking pilfers all pilfer 47 pilfer cards dot deck um I better play this Quinroll Burglar for good measure. Now, my favorite deck of all time to play uh, is Abomination Scout, to be honest with you. I, I love that deck. I love playing it, but only for like four or five games at a time. I find it fascinating. Like, it's one of, like, along with like Mid Range Battle Mage, uh, which I, is a deck I don't like playing, uh, I, f I, I really like things that Legends does that like feel like uniquely Legends experiences. And for some reason, Peter Max's Abomination feels like that to me, as does Mid Range Battle Mage, as did the OG Nixox Assassin deck. Like, uh, even though these are not, like, decks that I enjoy playing against in any capacity, like, things that, like, are unique to Legends are the things that I, are, that have my heart. Um, so, PDMAX Abomination is my favorite deck to play. Uh, that said, like, my favorite things I've ever done in Legends are, like, I really liked the deck that I turned my opponent's creatures into sweet rolls, um, stole them with Trodala's Treacheries, uh, close called them into my hands and then bartered them to my opponent because I, I just I was like I want to put sweet rolls in my opponent's hand and figuring out a way to do that was really fun so that's one of my favorite things I've ever done so I'll go with that belligerent giant them nah fuck that man I'm, I'm, I'm playing monk <laughs> see this is the difference between you and I huh no <laughs> content creation <laughs> well I mean like we both ended up at QuakeCon <laughs> <laughs> So I think for me, uh, this might come as a shock because it's not going to be mid-range sorcerer, even though I really do enjoy playing it. I think my favorite uh, deck that I ever played across like the Legends history was probably like the combo version of Merrick Battle Mage when Supreme Atromancer was nine and we basically still didn't have a big card pool. And so... Like, the idea of playing Atromancer and a bunch of Nord Firebrands was a combo back then. Um, because that deck was, it was like a really weird hybrid. Like, it could play mid-range, it could play control, and it could play combo, depending on the cards you drew and the matchup you were in. And adapting and, uh, like, identifying the right path and adapting to it always felt really rewarding to me, personally. I just really had a lot of fun piloting that deck. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of experiences with that deck because you know, January 2017, I was studying every day with SLW, and this is like prime time of SLW's full-in on Merrick Battle Mage, and I'm trying to. I was also working on Mid Archer post ban pillage nerf, and that was sort of the rise of Goblin Skulk. 
Um, but the Merrick deck was always really tricky because you get your board cleared at some point and then Belligerent Giant and Ice Storm would be such a conundrum that if you played one creature, Belligerent Giant would just kill you. It'd come down in the shadow lane, mm -hmm. it'd bounce your guy, and then they double Battle Mace it or Battle Mace plus Bolt, dome you for 15, and then there's an Atromancer combo and you're dead. And it was reliable every time. If you played two creatures, you got Ice Stormed and lost because we didn't have all this aggro card draw back then. We just had Yarl. Um, and it was, I couldn't solve that. I tried so hard to solve that conundrum and SLW would beat me every time. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's kind of, I think, indicative of what I was trying to talk about, right? Like it could play multiple ways and that put a real thorn in people. Like it was, it was a lot of fun to pilot. The, the more I think about this conversation, man, there've been a lot of like great moments in Legends decks, like history that I like, have really enjoyed. I, I thought that like, Ultra Monk was a fascinatingly fun deck, and then Ultra Assassin was a lot of fun. Uh, Gardener of Swords decks, even though like I wasn't like super big fan of them when they were popular, like are another uniquely Legends experience that I was excited to see happen. Um, what else? I mean, I, I've even got to give a shout out to Unstoppable Rage Archer was like the first deck that had like a thing, you know, like there was there was the thing of, of uh, you know, like it was like this is the centerpiece of my strategy in this one card, you know, and it wasn't like Mimi like alter like it was like going to win you the game if you did it right. I thought that was fascinating. Um, God, I mean, there's so many like great moments. It's kind of crazy, like with, with people like even though we've never had like a like a, an amount of content released that's satisfied me, to be honest with you. Um, like we still had a, have had like this incredible history over the last two and a half years of like fascinating decks and like really innovative uh, deck builders out there making really cool stuff. Um, and I would love like a, a detailed write up of like the history of the Legends meta for the last two and a half years. You know, the rise of strategies and certain cards, and then the counter insurgency of other strategies. Like I think that'd be a really interesting story and and something that like maybe just like a roundtable discussion amongst players who've been here for a long time you know who could just talk about the you know the months as they went um i think that'd be a really cool thing to listen to or read i'll have to release my finish my 5000 word article sometime dude totally 10k totally dude month by month breakdown of the meta for yeah i was just thinking like legends. i've been tracking my games for so long that i could literally pull up and see like what what I played against that month and probably use that to call back my memory of oh yeah so yeah. Arkham Warlock says not a question but wanted to say thanks for streaming Link I learned how to play Control by watching you all these many months ago it hurts me that I have a reputation as a Control player these days I like to think I play everything and I started out with a very aggressive reputation it it's physically painful to me that I'm known as the control guy these days. You know, I I think that 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 comment like touches on something important, right? Like Link, you're you're like I, we touched on this earlier, but like it's not just about like that your name is out there as like a member of the community, like a high profile member. It's that like you have like touched a lot of people's lives through your impact in this game and like <clears throat> the influence you've had on on their their self-care when they're playing legends in their free time and and thinking about ways of playing legends like a lot of that for a lot of the people in this community has been informed by the things you've said or you've demonstrated um you 
have had an incredible impact on a lot of people. And that's something that like you deserve a lot of credit for because you've put in the hours. You're a smart player and a good guy. And, and, and it, and it, it's cool. I mean, like, I know you've said you've been members of, of multiple communities over the years and then they come and go and it's a painful experience at times, but you know, if this ever ends, like, I hope that you, you treasure the fact that like, this community, this game would not be what it is today without you. And it's a great place and a great game. And you had something to do with that. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Gyro Captain asks us, do you all think the remaining tricolor decks will show up with Isles of Madness? And do you want them to? And even though they asked all of us, we're going to just let you answer this link because Justin and I know the answer to that. So, uh, so no, it's, I'm pretty sure it's not coming with Isle of Madness anyway, but um, no, they, I wouldn't do it until we, until we have a rotation, you know, standard format, like what Magic in Hearthstone does. Um, I would wait until the current five are rotated out of standard and then I would do the remaining five. Let them in whatever wild eternal format you do, let them all mingle and play together. But no, don't have them leak like tournament legal at the same time. Or, you know, yeah. for the same meta. And, and even if they do end up being legal at the same time, I would just say uh we got tricolors in a big pack based expansion and Isle is gonna be a story expansion, so you can probably extrapolate there that there might not be enough cards to cover an entire new series of tricolors um silver fuse <laughs> uh link if you could nerf three <laughs> cards or remove them from the game what would they be and why and if you could buff three cards too i would buff little girl yes it's easy god that sounds like a federally investigatable offense you just suggested there <laughs> um she would probably get a three mana um Um, I would probably nerf Nord Firebrand. That hurts. Good man. answer. Good. No, that's a great answer, actually. I'm not sure how. <laughs> One mana outright kills it. Hey, man, I once suggested that Wardcrafter be deleted from the game. Like, you can go hard here. <laughs> um, I quite like Wardcrafter, actually. Once upon a time, there was, like, the fact that there was a time that Windkeep Spellsword was better than Wardcrafter is fascinating to me. Cool design. Um, but that was back when Curse was a good card, when Skulks found other things other than Cruel Fireblooms and Nord Firebrands. Um, deleting from the game... Parthenax? Parthenax never sat right with me that, you know, it was such high RNG, did you roll the Soltair or not? Um, and then combined with the fact that it was just this inevitable late-game engine. I know he's not really played anymore, but I'll mention Parthenax anyway, because he's what I would have wanted deleted for the longest time. Um... Man, I feel like I should have... I feel like I should have an answer prepared for this. I don't think I've ever done this one on stream or anything. Let, let me... Uh... Let me ask you a question about a, a card specifically, because I'm, I'm always like, 
Listen, it's maybe one of, if not my favorite card in the game right now, but it is also the one I think has the potential to be the most problematic for a long, long time. That's not Unite the Houses. I'll put that caveat out there. Uh, how do you feel about Genius Path Mage? Um, I think Genius Path Mage is a very fun card um, and so deserves its power level. Maybe it'll get nerfed one day, but I'm a big believer in just let cards exist until they're a problem. Don't nerf them preemptively because they'll be a problem in future. And I know a lot of people disagree with that philosophy, but that's sort of the side of it I stand on. I, I quite like Path Mage. I think it's fun at the moment. Yeah, and that's why I that's why I worded it the way I did because like I love the card. I love like as a combo player deep down, like I love everything that it could potentially let me do. But I also recognize that it is probably already on the borderline of being a little bit ridiculous because it's not just a, a semi-consistent tutor but the fact that it does so with like the magical leftover so that you can keep doing things is is kind of insane i would delete incandescent explosion gone from the game <laughs> that is a card used entirely by beginners that don't realize it's a bad card yet and they always cut it from their deck. You know, once they've played 50 games with it, it's gone. It's cut. But until then, it's going to destroy me every time. Uh, I want I want Incandescent Explosion gone. Sorry, Immolating Blast. Um, I, it's, it's funny because I knew Romanesque, what you meant. Old Romanesque joke. Yeah, no, it's funny. I knew exactly um, what you meant. But that's fair. Other people listening may not. Uh, Warrior7 wants to know, Link, do you miss Snowy Sabercat, Hercene, Belligerent Archer? um sort of so yes in that it's exactly my style to play i quite like resource infinite resource aggression as a mid-range style is really really fun to me infinite resource like currently aggro decks are infinite resource because you drop a ton of one drops and then draw a million cards and you keep dropping one drops and two drops and things and it's aggro um, infinite resource aggression of mid-range decks actually going through you know murk water shaman leaf lurker vigilant giant um they were really fun to me I, I really liked resisting control decks um you know people try to control you but you've got a really resilient board that's my favorite style to play um and that was like the king of that because, you know at, yeah. at, you didn't mention it but it had slaughterfish spawning um slaughterfish spawning was a big part of it just because they can't lightning bolt slaughterfish spawning they can't javelin it um yeah then was... you put a you crush all aggro by playing snake tooth necklace on a tiger but... A couple of weeks after I made that deck, they nerfed Slaughterfish spawning. They nerfed Snake Tooth necklace. So yeah, I was just about to say that was with old Slaughterfish <laughs> and old Snake Tooth. That was exactly what I was about to say. I also wonder. It's interesting looking back, right? Like I, I wonder if Slaughterfish spawning would have ever been nerfed if Reverberating Strike was printed sooner. Slaughterfish spawning seems like one of the safer cards you could unnerf, but I could be missing something. Uh, I'll add that to my Silver Fuse buff list. I want Slaughterfish spawning back. That card was, is really fun. There was another card like that that was brought up recently. Um, Burn was talking in my Discord about cards you would unnerf, and I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I I miss the old Slaughterfish spawning mostly because it created almost like a game within a game for me a lot of the times. Uh, in that usually you play Slaughterfish spawning and somebody kills one of them, but the other one survives long enough to get one buff. 
and then through like combat tricks and whatever it survives and it gets another buff and it was always this like how how big can i get this you know x1 slaughter fish to be before it finally dies uh my personal record was i got it up to a 9-1 without giving it like items or wards or anything but that was like always a game within a game like how how mighty can i make this this fish this neutral fish that doesn't belong here i think 13 was my record man how do you I... uh how do you get a 13-1 and haven't won like that was my problem is my opponents kept dying when it was <laughs> Uh, yeah, lots of wards in trading. Yeah. Um, I love Slaughterfish spawning because it got nerfed fairly early in the game's lifespan. Like, this was still open beta. Technically, it was a long open beta. But um, it was nerfed relatively early in the game's lifespan, and not a lot of people really emphasized the field lane that much. I know that's weird to say because people still don't. Like, it's still the number one thing I harp on strategy-wise. So but if you have like just a creature in the field lane, you just attack the one-one slaughterfish, and it dies very, very cheap. Mm -hmm. But because people would randomly stack out of their creatures, or they'd get put the creatures in the shadow lane because it had the cool new mechanic, slaughterfish spawning would really prey on this. Um, it'd really punish it, and that's I miss slaughterfish spawning because I think it was a really good educational card for like the counter to this is good play. The counter to this yeah. is solid strategy. It isn't specific cards. Yeah, this can be I pay three to deal at least six to you if you let it, or this could be like a tickle, right? Like this could be a three a cost three one. A three mana three one, yeah. Yeah. In the wrong lane. Yeah, burn the card burn mentioned was Crystal Tower Crafter. We kinda had this discussion about whether or not uh whether or not sorcerer's negation meant that Crystal Tower Crafter being unnerfed would be would be okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead with a no. Because Sorcerer's Negation already has enough incentive to be played already, and making more threats that require it as an answer just forces you to play it even more. And I say this there, as a Sorcerer guy. There are three times as many, like, four cost or less silence effects playable, like, and played in constructed decks now than there were when Crystal Starcraft was nerfed, though. Like, there was... Sorry, go ahead. Go, well, no, I was just gonna say, there was only Earthbone Spinner then. And, like, now there's Negation and, uh... Sharpshooter. Hlalu Sharpshooter as well. Right, but the problem... And all three see a lot of play. The problem, the whole reason that it got nerfed to begin with, right, was that even if you silenced it, you were still left, like, with a body on the board. Like, even Earthbone before the nerf, like, you played, you paid four, and you only got rid of, like, part of a creature, right? It wasn't and, even, and like, the a... the two-one still traded with the three-two spinner, yeah. Right, and yeah, so yeah. I, I don't think Sharpshooter really is enough to justify unnerfing it, and Negation doesn't need any help with uh, popularity, so... Person, I'm gonna go with a personal like no. It's so the the CTC snowball and the reason it got nerfed was because you'd go either turn one ring, it's more obnoxious, but you know two mana you'd play it. Um, your opponent put a creature opposite, you'd go lesser ward kill their creature um, for free. You'd develop another creature, so now so you like a daggerfall mage or a cunning ally or whatever. So you ha so you now have your opponent's creature has died for free. You have a two mana three three that's still growing like it's an engine. And you have your three drops still in play. Sorcerer's Negation doesn't counter that. On turn three, if you Sorcerer's Negation that Crystal Tower Crafter against a deck like what Merrick was, you will die every like nearly every time. And that's so that's the blowout that I don't think it's a matter of look, there's these answer cards now. A two two seat Crystal Tower Crafter combined with Lesser Ward is just gonna get you every time. 
I, so no, I don't. <laughs> I yeah. am very happy CTC is as weak as it is right now. I wouldn't buff it. Yeah, it used to be so obnoxious. <laughs> One of the things I touched on in the article about the, uh, the Moose article was that like this, I had this feeling, and I'm curious your thoughts on it in this link, that nerfs in the early days of Legends seemed to be aimed at slowing the game down. And that... Uh, at some point there's been a swing where it seems like like the, the pendulum swung too far right and that like uh in, in the in the minds of people designing the game and uh that now it seems like there is an incur there's more encouragement than ever to end games faster is that, is that a reasonable thought i mean like i'm curious what you feel how you feel about that yeah i talk a fair bit about like control styles as grinding styles versus win condition or combo styles and yeah that's the chagrin of many people that's i think the grinding style of control is all but dead that because yes there are so many hard win conditions in the game that you just want to get like you don't trade with your opponent's resources as much anymore you try to win the game and that's why things like nixox combo are dominant that's why talius's conscription is as strong as it is it's um, you tend to see these big win condition things that can close out the game. Like, not quickly. This isn't, oh, smoke them down before they can play their cards. But it yeah. is, I'm not going to, like... Grinding is trading resources with your opponent until they run out of cards. You still have cards, they don't, you win the game. Right. Um, that doesn't happen anymore. You Like, yeah. yes, you're incentivized to end before you get to that stage of the game. Yeah, I, I think now it's more like less about i grind you out of cards and more about i've created a huge huge value play or a huge tempo play or even if it's not like an otk combo it's like i've done some sort of combo you know it might be like i chained path mage into a bunch of doppelgangers and now i have a board full of four fours but there's always at least to me anyway like these moments where the the game uh, reaches a point where like you do something that's high tempo and if your opponent doesn't have the answer then it's going to go your way and i think that's more where we are now whereas like in the past it was you know i used all my manticoras to blow up all your stuff and you have no cards and now i just win be by default yeah, it's so it's hard to rate when exactly this happened i can see the argument in chat um that yeah come morrowind it was officially dead you know grinding styles and i think before that you can point to namira shrine um is a big one because namira shrine counts as a combo kill of sorts and galen came in that expect uh galen came clockwork city um but like you had parthenax in skyrim but it's hard to judge the post skyrim control styles because ramp scout just dominated that so much that right you had rage archer was a very win condition style of, con of control you know the rage was designed to one shot your opponent rather than grind them out of cards um and you had ramp scout which was unbelievably untouchable in the late game like it would do really really ridiculous things compared to what everyone else could so you didn't i don't know it's it's hard to really define what control looked like post skyrim expansion so i think this is a really interesting question uh space jesus is here asks if you could change the color <laughs> hold on we... space jesus here is a great name yeah <laughs> that brought me back. Uh, All right. If you could change the color of one card, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, yeah. Give me. I need, I need a second to think about this. 
Hmm. Oof. Seems like there's a lot of great options. I will say, like, the game has historically had a pretty well-defined, like, set of color identities. It's just hard to notice anymore because of tricolor. <laughs> I would make Daring Cup Purse yellow. That'd be cool. I, I would like yellow's... to see... Go ahead. I think yellow aggression's been a little too pigeonholed into 5th Legion Trainer archetypes because 5th Legion Trainer and Bruma Profiteer are like their only good 2-drops. Yeah. Rogue of Kind's sort of okay. Um, I think if you put Daring Cut Purse in yellow, it's still the Kajit colors. You still keep it the same Kajit. That's fine. Um, I like that. Still in, the pill, still in the pill for class. But I think it moves out some of the insane power level of green 2-drops. You know, Cut Purse, Cut Purse doesn't even see plagues. You've got Fighter's Guild and Sly Marsh Blade and, you know... Insane yeah. green two drops. Mornhold Trader. I think Cut Purse and Yellow could have pioneered some actual mid-range yellow strategies rather than token-based. Yeah, that'd be cool. Personally, like, uh, <clears throat> I know it's never going to happen in a million years, but I'd love to see if I'd love to see Talia's conscription as a spell sword card. I'd like <sighs> to see Withered Hand Cultress uh, as a neutral card. Fuck you. <laughs> 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 that that patch is the, is the day I start creating content for Artifact. Oh. Um. So, somebody asked, "Am I crazy for running aggro orc warrior deck that has cast out and belligerent giant on the ladder?" <laughs> the night that Sander and I dressed up as orcs for the stream, uh. I made like classic orc deck curve stopped at five. And then I also put three copies of Talia's conscription in there <laughs> because like, I just thought it would be funny. Right. Cause like, it's the one class I've never seen anyone play Talia's conscription in. And, uh, yeah, I don't think orcs are good when you run anything that costs more than five. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I made the deck much worse by doing that. Uh, I put cast out in my like competitive tournament warrior deck with you know headhunters and things, but no, it's not the roleplay style of orcs. Yeah, and that's what's important when you play orcs, man. Yeah. Go full Rothgar Kingpin. Yeah. Wait, I had some reason for thinking the other day that Rothgar Kingpin was better than it used to be, and I can't remember what it was. Yeah, now. it was Karthspire Scout, because you could play it and yeah. the Karthspire. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Because it made your mono purple better. Listen, I'm all up in your headspace. I appreciate that, brother. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here's a question that uh, I'm also really excited to dive into because I've answered this in the past, but I'm curious what Link would say. Um, Heatfire Ash asks, do you guys think old Nacreen could come back? No. Probably not. It would break Nick socks. We talked about this before. <laughs> Or even if not Nick, not Nick Sox, like in my mind, uh, the reason I, I'm against it is because there are so many things now uh, that exist that re-trigger summons that just didn't exist in the past that, uh, like, basically it would become the kind of card that if it even, like, survived for a turn, you could do disgusting things. Like, I, I always say, like, I don't want to get Nacreen into Alduin, right? Like, because that also is a thing. But the reality is, I don't want Nacreen on the board when Ulfric's Uprising goes off. And I don't want Nacreen even on the board for A Night to Remember or Dark Rebirth or whatever, right? I don't want Nacreen to accidentally get a Dragon Priest Mask from a Merrick. Don't ask me why those are in the same deck. It doesn't matter. The point is, 
Nacreen, old Nacreen used to be capable of some absolutely disgusting plays while also putting more cards in your hand, and there's only more cards that would abuse that today. Uh, it would see play for sure. He changed them to make them all free too. So like, yeah. if you just, like on turn 10, if you just go Nacreen into Uprising, that was a zero mana Uprising. It gives you another zero mana play. Like, so it was a f it's completely free, but it also triggers everything else. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah i don't know maybe that's not overpowered but it sounds really unfun <laughs> it sounds yeah it sounds <laughs> sounds fun here's what that sounds like i'll tell you what that exactly sounds like that sounds fun for justin the first 10 times he plays the deck and then unfun for the next three months when justin complains about only playing against that deck on the ladder <laughs> bro it's like you're it's like you know me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I. Old now, old Nakrin's uh, entry voice line. I could get behind that. Oh yeah, I can get behind that. What do you used to say? Shit! Don't call me out like this. I just know he makes that weird growling sound now. I. Uh, fun fact: Nakrin is the only card I don't own. I guess it wasn't that fun. My bad. <laughs> Fuck. That was Necron Mastermind for me. I crafted yeah. it like a month or two ago, so it's no longer true, but yeah. <laughs> it is a skeleton, yeah, it does help skeleton tribal. <laughs> How do you feel about tribal synergies? Oh, <laughs> uh, right, that was my idea. Sorry, I was streaming earlier today for me, yesterday, I suspect for most people. The Reachman, I had an idea for Ramscout and couldn't remember what it was on stream, but the stupid Reachman buffing Tribal Lord, I wanted to play him with Necromancers. Ah. Uh, okay. That could be cheeky fun. So that's and then you, you could also put like... my thought on Tribal. You, you could put Frenzied Reachman in the deck too, because he's a 2-1 that when you Necromancer him gives something else plus 2, plus 1. I mean, it's just going to be all neutral Necromancer value at this point. Right? Necromancer is Dark Elf? I was hoping he was the same. I'm hoping he's the same race as Necrom Mastermind. I'm really bad at Death Legends lore. But I think they are. I think they're both uh, Dunmer. No, listen, guys. They have the same profession, uh, but not the same race. Just like uh, I have the same profession as my coworkers Rohan and Chandra, but we are different. What the fuck? <laughs> Hold on, now I need to check this. Necrom Mastermind. Enderal Mastermind. Necrom Mastermind is definitely a Dark Elf. Enderal Mastermind. Yeah, these are all Dark Elves. Yep. Oh. I love how anyway, I'm catching up on chat and Warrior's like, yeah, but... It wouldn't break Nixox because Nacreen's 10 Magicka. Well, yeah, Lanath is 9 Magicka, right? Like, why is she even relevant to Nixox? I don't know. Because when you have, like, 30 Magicka, it doesn't matter. Killing me, Warriors. I mean, I love you, but you're killing me. The Druki? The Druki don't shout that anymore. It's the saddest nerfing total war, Warhammer. The Dude, I'm... used to have this cool Druki watch it. They don't anymore. I miss Robin Williams. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
Uh, zombie hunter nine by nineteen wants to know how does it feel knowing uh, the way you impact the ladder meta. Me? Yeah, you. Like, as in, you played Crusader one night, and then I played against it four times on my lunch break the next day, and then you oh. play like Spell Sword, and then I run into Spell Sword. Like, how does it feel knowing that you um, impact the ladder meta? At times, it's. I mean, like to be totally honest, I don't know if I've ever talked about this actually. Um, so like to break character for a second, like it's, uh, it's overwhelming sometimes actually. I, it's very uncomfortable. Um, and it's not like, <clears throat> so there's this part of me that loves being the center of attention. And then there's this other part of me that like constantly says like, I don't deserve it. And like, like feels judged and like not good enough. And so, uh, <laughs> They come into conflict, like with the content creation <laughs> process, obviously. And uh, it, it's, you know, I'm horrible at taking compliments in person. Like it's a little easier online, and I, I just I don't know what like I I miss CVH making content. To be honest with you, for the for, this is a big part of it, right? Because like when he stopped, like he and I were like the biggest channels on YouTube for Legends, and like you could go to CVH and get your competitive stuff, and people would play that on the ladder. And then they would come watch me do my silly stuff because, like, we all knew that, like, that you just came for here for a laugh and a good time. And when people start, like, when he stopped making content, the number of people net decking my stuff, like, dramatically increased. And it was weird as fuck. And, like, I was not prepared for it. And it's still strange, um, just to be totally honest with you. Yeah, we need more people uh, to fill that role because people, they're certainly not doing it with my stuff. Like, th things are good. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, you know, subs are up, views are up. Everything is still, like, fantastic and growing, and I appreciate all the love I get. But I'm still not running into Satanine on the ladder. So I don't know yeah, what else well, to I'm do. A, I'm actually higher ranked than you right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd believe that. <laughs> you, uh, you've hit Legend right now, right? No, dude, I'm not Legend yet. Oh. Where do you like rank one then? No. Where do you rank? Uh, it should be rank two at least. Yeah. All right. Well, we're the same rank. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I stopped at three. Yeah. yeah. I I, I hit mean, I, I hit rank two and then like I just I I've to... <laughs> been taking a lot of time off to do something else. I had to start like I had to st stick around you so I could stream snipe you. <laughs> Oh man! Silverfuse has recently made a thirty-minute video that I'm excited to watch about uh, Solo Arena. I love Solo Arena. Yeah, that's to... actually. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in, but Gyro Captain said uh, Link better start putting out YouTube videos. Then um, that's actually a question that I just want to ask. So Link has said, you know, hey, I've never made a YouTube video. Obviously, you've spent hours and hours and hours pouring your life into content creation and game theory and and things like that so i guess my question to you because i've just never had the opportunity to ask would be um like what has influenced that decision to not make youtube content specifically like i understand that chat interaction is uh a different beast and there's a reason that i enjoy streaming and, and so forth but um you have so many like amazing tidbits and things that people can learn from i'm 
just kind of personally shocked that you've never went that route because I think you'd be so good at it. So I have a notebook sitting around here somewhere. It is just pages and pages of my plans for my YouTube channel. Like it's, I had this whole lesson plan, beginner, intermediate, and advanced levels, the topics for each, articles for a whole bunch of them written out. It was so close to like actually starting up a YouTube channel with all that. And then I didn't. It's, I don't know, this year was, so that was, you know, earlier this year. And this year was kind of tricky from streaming. It's, you know, the drop start, stuff started really taking off. There's a lot of negativity. I am central to a lot of the negativity, as many people know. So, I don't know, as streaming started to decline this year, it's, I guess I just didn't then get into YouTube. Like, it wasn't as exciting for me anymore that, oh, I really, really want to produce this content. But, yeah, I still have all the old plans around here. Would you ever consider maybe still doing something like that, but for either a different game or a different passion project? Because, uh, you know, like I said, I think that you have a knack for explanations, right? I agree. Um, I, total, I totally agree. Yeah, you know, and I, I say this with a little bit of professional credibility as somebody who like actually does teaching and whatever when I'm not half asleep and I'm paying attention. So um, I, I just, I think that people would benefit from it. I'm not going to say that you would enjoy it. I'm not going to pretend to know what you want to do, but I I feel like it would be an asset to whatever game or community or even just subject. Like even if it wasn't uh, gaming related, um, I, I know that people would benefit from your uh, style of delivery. Okay. Thanks for that. Yeah, it's something I... I suppose it's something I'd try. I have written a couple of articles in the past for things. I used to write a couple of articles for Soulforge. It's, it was always fun detailing, look, this is how Soulforge's game theory works at a fundamental level that not a lot of people knew. It's Yeah, I've always wanted to do that sort of for test legends of things that... It's one of, well, one of the things I felt I can talk about in test legends that doesn't get discussed in articles that when most people like when most high level players um ray specifically like ray writes a lot of really good articles um but they tend to fall back to on um, the the defaults of what's already being done in magic you know card advantage tempo those sorts of fundamentals and what i like to focus on is what they're thinking about take high level players hack me for example here um joe both in chat what are they thinking about at the time I'm pretty sure Joe's just got a monkey clapping symbols because he plays Halalu nonstop. But Hacker is really, <laughs> really smart at the game. Um, and it's they're not it's not because they can see many, many turns ahead. It's because the concepts they're thinking about are different. And that's I don't know, I've always wanted to write articles or do YouTube videos on what you should be thinking about on any given turn. I would read the shit out of those, man. I'm not going to lie. I would, I would love to read those. Yeah, I was actually just going to say, if it was like an article format, uh, I think it would be really cool if it was almost like a... Um, almost like a, a turn post-mortem, right? Like maybe you show a screenshot of a board state, right? Maybe with a, a discard pile showing or whatever, just to give people uh, the idea of like what's already been played and literally just talk about 
the one turn. Like this is your window into what you should be thinking here or what you could be thinking here. Or, you know, it's just like you said, uh, Joe or Hack Me or you might all have different thoughts or opinions. So maybe you tap some other people to say like, hey, I'm going to send you a screenshot with some info, you know, kind of pitch in and tell me what you think and then do a compare and contrast. I think that would be like really great to read. Um, I would like to say that would be a very successful series, but like if I'm being 100% honest, it's hard to say the word successful without like grinning. But I think you understand what I mean, right? Like I think people would benefit from that and enjoy that. So, um, or do that as a YouTube series as well. You could do that over like a series of two or three turns, right? Instead of it just like full on walkthroughs of games, instead show like the pivotal, like this is the turning point, if you will. Yeah, I think that would be amazing. Look, people in the community are so hard up for competitive like level content that like I write articles about <laughs> fucking moose and stuff. Like, I would love to read an article by you, man. Oh, gotta join my Discord. I posted a whole bunch of my unfinished articles in my Discord once. Oh man, I forgot to clarify. I actually can't read. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm sure, Derek, it is. Yeah, I'm sure Derek could read it for me. Yeah, I could read it to you uh, yeah, one of these that, nights. That'd but I would sweet. also, I don't think I'm in Link's Discord. I join yeah, every, every Discord that is like offered to me and I don't think I'm in it. So that <laughs> says something. I, I'm, I'm not even joking. I was a guest star on a gaming talk show uh, at the beginning of the year. And yeah. that gaming talk show is no longer like in production. And nice. I am still in that Discord. I'm still in the Shardbound Discord. Like, I collect them like Pokemon. So, if I'm not in Link's Discord, then that says something. Do with it what you will. Congratulations for killing that fucking show, dude. People worked there. That was people's lives. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. Dude, I, I have to admit, I'm getting, I'm getting tired as fuck. Yeah, I know. Silverfuse just said, Charmer read the NDA for Justin too. Yeah, she is also not wrong about that. That is 100% That, that part actually is true. That part is true. I've still never read that. <laughs> never read it. Nope. As far as I know, like... I don't... I actually, I don't know what to say. I can't talk about it, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's actually kind of comical that Justin hasn't read it this this deep into it because anytime he wants to talk about something, he'll just send me a message and go, "Hey, can I talk about this?" Like yeah. that's that's his NDA. His his NDA just effectively said check with Charmer, which is funny because like I'm not Bethesda, right? Like he should check with yeah. CVH, but no, well, he, I do. he messages I do. me. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I I check with Christian too sometimes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But yeah, you guys set me straight. Look, if it wasn't for Christian and Derek, like, I legit might have just like blown up my computer this week. <laughs> <laughs> like that is actually where I was at. We're lucky that it just spilled out into the community into like a stupid fight with like a stupid thing, and like, uh, like I missed a couple days of YouTube videos. But yeah, between last Sunday and like this Friday, like I, I had a pretty rough time, and they yeah. helped me through it. That's what we do. <laughs> See, community's moved on again. For me, that was Bradford Lee. 
Like Bradford Lee helped me a ton setting up streams and things. And everyone had always seen us as rivals that, you know, we were competing for the same time slot for a while. And, you know, it's, oh, Link, why aren't you angry Brad did this? You know, Brad and I are good friends. Brad really, really helped me early on. And it was, you know, he was the person to talk to if, you know, streaming was tricky and things like that. So, yeah. Can relate to that. It's important to have those little, like, clusters, you know? Like, there is the larger Legends content creator community, but then there are, like, little, you know, cliques or whatever where, like, people, you know, really bond. I've had this amazing experience, like, like a month ago, like, <clears throat> I saw Derek using his fucking Twitch emotes in Discord, and I was like, I want to use my Twitch emotes in Discord. So I asked, like, how do you do that? And they're like, well, you got to make a Discord channel. I was like, oh, God. So I learned how to make a Discord channel, and then I populated it with a few people, like, because, like, it needed to look authentic. And uh, I, I synced up my, my Twitch thing with it. And I was like, I even said in the invitation, I was like, hey, I never plan on being present. I just want to spam my emotes on other people's Discords. But, like, in the months that, like, since then, like, it's become this, like, cool little community of, like, you know, there's a handful of regulars, and, like, we talk about stuff, and, and uh, you know, it's like a new a new little like group of people who love legends having like these little conversations. It's really cool. Do you ever get a clash between, is this a discord thought or a Twitter thought? Like, you just uh, have the thought, where do I want to say this? I just say, I'll say him. Yeah, I'll say him on all, all platforms. Sometimes I'll run it okay. past like Christian and Derek first, and then I'll tweet it and post it in discord everywhere yeah. else at the same time. Usually sometimes what? in multiple discords. Yeah, I was going to say, usually what happens is Justin gets something, like, that tickles him, and he thinks it's really funny, so he shares it everywhere. And, like, it's not, that's not even a judgment, because I do the same thing. Like, I'll be talking with somebody on Discord, and I'll, I'll say something, and I'll go, that's really funny, I'm going to tweet it now. And I immediately go tweet it. Like, it just it you is said what that, it is. You said and did that about something I said in our little private chat the other day. Do you remember that? Yeah, probably. I was having a bad day, and I said something about Grande Depresso. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you, like, five minutes later, that's all over your fucking Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Just That was where the uh, uh, Eddard Stark Welcome to My Ned Talk joke came yeah. from, too. That started that's in Discord. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, like, one of my happiest times in Test Legends, um, Solid Age disastrous christmas announcement you know everyone's pissed myself included um it's you spent that day charmer just posting nihilist memes <laughs> raging about the end of the world and you're just there on twitter my entire twitter feed is just you know, nothing nothing matters anymore like, it's just all nihilist cheered me up on a really really shitty day like, that was awesome. link so, uh i highly encourage you, you to join my discord i've got I've got a section in my Discord called Dank Memes, but the truth is they're basically all depression and suicide memes. So if you ever need a refuge, I am your home. I mean, it, you can just scroll for quite some time. It really is like the, the saddest fucking thing. Like, I'll like, let me tell you something that happens in private messages. Uh, Justin, at least once a week, will reach out and go, hey, man, are you okay? <laughs> That's, that is true. That is true. So, you you are welcome in my nihilist, uh, grande depresso anytime you want, man. You think the fucking suicide shit that he posts on 
his like global Twitter is bad. Jesus Christ, try being in a private conversation with this guy for the last two years. Yeah. Even Eolus <laughs> in chat says, can confirm I spend a lot of time in that channel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right, guys. This has been an awesome show. And Link, we got to have you back on the programs. Yeah. Uh, it's you're one of our actually, longest shows. You can actually take Derek's spot if you want to just start co-hosting. I would be totally cool with that. <laughs> That's we're fine. I'll just team up with Joe. We're going to be out of back players in three weeks. He'll be here alone. Oh, fuck, dude. You're right. Charmer's about to be a big artifact pro. Actually, I think I'm going to start playing artifact in like four or five days or something like that. Uh, You got eight days, I uh, think. Eight or nine, something like that. I'd have to go look. But Sweet. We'll see if it lasts longer than hot garbage did. <laughs> and then... uh. Yeah, but yeah, I, and actually, we don't have a guest for next week if you want to just come back next week. <laughs> like, look, we don't, we don't, we don't organize. Wait, I think Do it has to be, a... I think it has to be two weeks. I think we have one for next week. Is it a very special guest? Uh, yeah, we're still waiting for the official confirmation, oh, but. Wait, we, we got that today. Did we? Didn't we? Yeah, uh, yeah, something okay. like that. Anyway, all right. So two, we may wait, have yeah. a really cool guest for next week. It's something we've been trying to do for a while. If it's not yeah. that in this next week, it might be the week after. So, but yeah, uh, you're always welcome to come back, Link. Just yeah, we just we message me, Link. That's all I want from you. We definitely want you back. In before special guest is Gabe. <laughs> no, it, no, it wouldn't be Gabe. No, it's Bradford Lee. No, it can't be him. Uh, Drops killed his streaming career. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> but, uh, All right. <laughs> yeah, you want to take us out, Justin, with the old CA on the ladder thing? Actually, I would love to hear Link say it. Oh, man, yeah. So, I was hoping to avoid this moment, but I think I've seen, like, two Justin videos lifetime. That's awesome. Um... <laughs> Is this an outro I'm supposed to have memorized? I mean, it's just how we end the, every podcast. You just say, uh, okay, guys, I'll see you on the ladder. Like, that's 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 the, uh, that's oh, the gist of it. See you on the ladder, guys. <laughs>